podcast we are on the 22nd episode of season two 75th overall josh we are very quickly approaching 100 episodes knocking them back like whiskeys on grandma's wedding night baby hell yeah or like those uh bush you did on my wedding night oh i think it was everything triple fisted i was gonna say every picture of me at your wedding i'm pretty (laughs) sure i have three beers or three drinks of some sort in every photo 100 percent, man go hard baby so let's talk about uh what's been going on josh how was your time with joe biden and uh, doing his bidding with regards to the mary jane offenders well yeah uh, he gets you know his memories a little he's getting old guys i just you know is there any truth to you have something to do with the cocaine that was found in the white house <laughs> no nope you better ask hunter biden about that <laughs> no it's funny you bring that up actually though because like I, when I first heard about this, it was like a funny video on Instagram that some like, you know, group page was pushing and it was something about some like, I don't even remember which one it was, but it was like a conservative conservative senator talking about Hunter Biden having cocaine in the White House. Yeah. And I hadn't heard about this, this story breaking yet. Right. So it's pretty, that was pretty funny that like the first place I heard about it, I thought it was a meme. It wasn't even real life, but no, come to right. find out it's real life. Yeah. And I think people have taken snippets from, I don't know if it was the 4th of July of the White House or something recently, like where Hunter biden was there in the background and then like they're focusing in on jill biden's response like she's very cold stoic and turned away from him <laughs> and he's like grabbing his nose like <laughs> so we'll get into some of that talk in our current events we got to say we appreciate uh, brandon's on-site reporting regarding those events josh's work with the president you know joe biden <laughs> uh, let's recap women's month real quickly so if you didn't know and this is the first time you listened to the show we spent june honoring and focusing on women Uh, We kick things off with our favorite women, uh, rock and rollers, folk artists, things of that ilk, kind of in the rock genre. Uh, We moved on to talking to Jackie Kelly, uh, actress out of the St. Louis area, doing big things uh, in shorts and features, and really great actress who has some connections to some prior guests on the podcast. We talked with Ann Wood, the artist. We talked to Nixie. XS professional wrestler. Right. And we also talked to Mary Lee Visnowski, which was last week. Josh and I did an on-site at Earth Mother Health Foods. So we honored and focused in on four different women across four different trades, occupations, areas of interest. Yeah. And not to skip over our former women guests, too, that didn't sure. make it in on June. Like, we've had some excellent, like, uh, Maxine 13, excellent guests, excellent artists. Lauren Palmer of uh, Bleeth. She was awesome. Uh, great guest. So Melissa Powers of Melissa Scissor Powers, yeah. I don't want to forget anybody. stuff. So yeah, so we've <laughs> we've definitely mixed it up, and uh, and I was proud to do it. You know, like when we're talking concepts of the show and creative ideas and things like that, and I wasn't real sure like how it would be received overall. I feel like it was well received, and uh, not that like I do this like with concern around every corner what everybody's going to think but you know at the same time you know i was hoping that the spirit at which we were doing it was going to be conveyed and come across appropriately right and that is you know obviously with all the bullshit that's going on with you know 
people's civil liberties being rolled back and things like that. And we touched on that with some of our conversations with some of these outstanding female guests. But, you know, I think it's about time that, you know, we honor and uplift women. It's not to say that it doesn't happen in other fields and areas, but, uh, you know, this is our platform and that's what we wanted to do. And I feel like we did that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it turned out great. And we had some great guests, like you said. And uh, yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as we did. Big item on today's agenda. And that is us chalking it up with Wes Hoffman in our guest spotlight segment. Wes is a musician, singer, songwriter in the pop punk world, show promoter, podcaster, purveyor of all things holy in the STL in some respects. So I'm looking forward to that conversation, getting to know Wes and uh, highlighting his talents specifically. Before we do that, we're going to do what we do. We're going to get into some current events topics. Let's jump back into Coke in the White House. I mean, it's just at this point, I mean, <laughs> yeah. just keep on rolling with the circus, baby. I love it. Yeah, it's an absolute shit show on all, all sides of the aisle. Um, again, first time listening to the show, perhaps we, we are pretty liberal people, uh, I would say largely, but we don't subscribe necessarily to like the Democrat agenda per se national agenda that right, is right yeah you know and then obviously we despise and do not care for republican party because it's become so neo-fascist extreme right yeah. as well authoritarian in many respects and that's not our bag either religious extremists evangelicals pushing their ideals on people and beliefs a lot of it crazy string theories and things of that ilk, you know, QAnon fed. You can get right the fuck out of here with that bullshit. But, you know, the biggest talk right now all over Fox News, specifically Coke in the White House, speculation (laughs) that Hunter Biden's, it's easily... I like, especially on Fox News. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, you know, actually, I'll have to give it to Fox News. They've been, like, kind of shitting on Trump lately quite a yeah, bit. I mean, yeah. how can you not, like, with, you know, all the shit coming out on him? But right. We've talked about that at nauseum. Yeah. Uh, but I do find the whole Coke at the White House thing just so entertaining. And, and I, I really can't say why other than, like, just, just, like, sit back, enjoy the shit show. You know, the Biden administration and their policies and the things they have done or haven't done has left a lot to be desired. I think, you know, a lot of it's resistance from the right, obviously, and getting some things done, but also like little to no effort on delivering promises that the campaign set out to do. I get it. That's a thing that happens in politics and compromises happen or whatever. But at some point, there has to be some serious change because one thing the right is right about, there is a major change wind change coming at some point and uh, we've already seen it kind of with like bad actors on january 6 and that is like you're inciting people to do not very good things right, right? right. at some point and that's going to bleed over into all political arenas and influences and inspirations and ideals and i'd like to avoid that by you know people just like doing the decent thing and doing what they say they're going to do. Absolutely. We shit on RFK too. That's something I want to bring up. <laughs> I've actually like kind of listened to some of his podcast interviews and stuff. And like, I'm not really down with like all the anti-vax stuff, but I am like down with fuck pharma. We're going to get lobbyists out of the government. Like I'm really into those ideals. And that's you know, honestly, that's better than anything else that's out there right now for me personally. Y- yeah. I mean, but again, is is that just uh, is he taken from uh, a Trump move and just trying to tell people what they want to hear to kind of pull that vote? Because the Democratic machine is a machine, regardless. Right. And if you're not going to go along with what they want, you're going to have some opposition. You're going to get ostracized. Right. They're going to fucking put the chips against you. We saw it with Bernie Sanders specifically, you know, in the DNC and the fucking wacky ass shit that they did. You know, so it the fix is in. They have their people. The political arena is just so disheartening nowadays. And getting back into 
into the Coke in the White House. <laughs> yeah. You know, the speculation on how it got there. I think basically what it is, is it was discovered in a cubby system that people have to turn their cell phones into before they enter like the Oval Office and like highly classified areas and things like that to cut down on the possibility of people like recording them speaking and doing right. things and yeah, making... sharing information or their right. phones even like things innocently happen because like people are so stupid like with technology they give permissions to all these apps and somebody can hack that and you know take a back door into american you know classified information right, essentially right. apparently this cocaine was found in one of the cubby holes in this i guess platform at which they take people's cell phones and things like that all i'm going to say is how much money and power walks through those doors on the daily i mean how many times have people walked into that place high Left high. I mean, in in the past too. Like it's a, it's a valid point that's been brought up. It's like this is this the one time that it got caught, and why did it get caught? Right. Why is it such a publicized story? And I think a lot of it goes back to a lot of the you know rights fixation and obsession with Hunter Biden specifically. It's like the guy's not president. He's not gonna be president. Oh, yeah, I still don't understand. I think the we're in the clear. <laughs> you know, as far as that's concerned, like there's plenty of things to go on about Joe Biden specifically and his flip flopping over the years and some of his. His you know, pandering and his standings that he's had in the past, you know, 40 plus years ago, even in starting government. And, you know, I get like, go back far enough in anybody's closets, you go back in ours, you probably find shit that's, you know, not in good taste. But right. I would say a lot of that has relates back to ignorance. And I think we're going to get into some of that with our conversation today with Wes even and kind of talk about, you know, how ignorance is kind of one of the biggest things out there that we're all constantly battling, whether it's, you know, religious influence, whether it's in the music scene or, or so on. And just like life and you trying to achieve your goals is ignorance is the lack of knowledge. You know, you people say that you're ignorant, like people want to take offense to that. And, you know, I like to consider myself a well-rounded individual individual somebody was to tell me that I was ignorant I'd probably take offense to it but just for the fact that you know I feel like I'm relatively educated on most things but I will concede whenever I'm not you know if somebody brings something right. to me I'm, right and it's something I'm not aware of I'm like you know I'm not aware of that or I would need to yeah, I'm aware of it, but not enough have, to have an opinion right. on it. I don't right. have a place to speak on it, right? Right, and I, I, and I, you know, present day, I think kind of what we need to get focused on is like being fucking decent human beings again, and right. that goes back into the people that we're choosing to caring you know, about lead. the other person. Treat people how you want to be treated. How many times were you told that when you were a kid? Treat right. people how you want to be fucking treated. There's something to that golden rule, you know, and um, it doesn't have to have like a religious connotation. No. Or, no. You know, and it, and if we can learn to sympathize and empathize, I think it goes a long way. But some other current events topics that uh, are happening right now that are very entertaining to us. And this is the whole Putin fled Moscow thing, you uh, know, during the mutiny. Yeah, the failed coup. Yeah. I think <laughs> it's Prigozhin. Uh, Prigo- yeah. Prigozhin or Prigozhin? Prigozhin. I don't speak Mutiny. Russian, people. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I've i heard it in, like, a, it's not in my everyday vernacular, so I think Prigozhin is right. I got, it, like, the first thing, has anybody seen the Prigozhin disguises, like, of the the guy that's oh ahead of the white man, Prigozhin not himself? Until you, not until you shared them with me, but oh my God, they're so fucking good. Okay, so, like, the Wagner group is a paramil- paramilitary outfit that's, like, an upper rising up against the current Russian government, Putin himself. Putin fled Moscow, which is ultra hilarious because he's so, like, macho, you know, and everything, ex-KGB, and he, like, kind of authoritarian, really. Yeah. You know, in his leadership... And, uh, you know, there's the Russian-led media and all this other stuff. Well, he so. just—he always portrays a position of power and that he's untouchable and that his enemies will, you right. know, n- never win. And, you know, he, this guy's getting on a plane leaving the country at the first sign of danger. 
Yeah, so Prigozhin, he's like the ridiculous, just like type Prigozhin secret outfits or like disguises uh, into Google search. And there will be like a plethora of hilarious pictures of this cat. And like one of them, I swear to God, is like Sasha Baron Cohen, the dictator movie. Yeah, yeah. Like outfit. It's just like I laughed out loud immediately when I saw this. It's like that long beard with the the ridiculous. Cartoonish. Yeah, it's just, it's funny. You know, the guy, like the disguises that he's wearing are just like clearly like ridiculous, silly disguises. Like it makes me think of like, you know, little rascals or something. Thing, like whenever they're trying to like dress up like adults or something you know <laughs> oh yeah 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 where they stand on top of each other's shoulders wearing right 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 <laughs> like he doesn't even like look like a real person it's just so absurd yeah it's ridiculous that whole situation is just laughable so i guess at least the way they're framing it in russia and belarus and things like that you know the people that are pro-russia that it's been a failed coup uh the fact that putin retreated and and left and fled moscow i think is at least that that's something that's a that's a dent in the armor right well them closing the highways and closing down moscow and arming right. the police and all that obviously they were worried about it and you know there's other things going on too where russian military members are actually declining orders from the government to, to act out certain offenses against the ukrainian government right, because yeah. there've been suicide missions and i think like some some crazy number like 30% of missions have been turned away by russian military on the ground refusing to act out whatever procedures that they're being dictated to do. Yeah, I mean, there's also, you can get on Reddit, there's tons of subreddits um, where these Russian soldiers are um, calling these hotlines for to turn themselves in. Yeah. And they'll set up, you know, a, a place where they can escape from their units and turn themselves into their Ukrainian authorities so they don't get killed in combat. And another thing that's going on quite a bit is like defecting uh, Russian oligarchs to that right? are giving yeah. information to the U.S. government and the Ukrainian government and media outlets and so on and so forth. So Russia's in trouble there's a huge undertow under putin and you know i think it was a matter of time to begin with because we all were under the assumption that they weren't a country of many resources at which putin tried to lead people to believe to begin with and it's all of a sudden like it quickly kind of manifested with some of the military actions but then like further validated you know over time yeah because you know things obviously haven't went as well as putin would have liked and he hasn't received the support that he would have liked you know the russian Media will tell you differently, but again, right, that's, right. that's state-controlled, so you got to take that for what it's worth. It's propaganda, right? Moving on from that type of talk, you heard our episode uh, with Ann Wood on the open. We kind of went on a little bit about the sub situation. How could you not, though? And, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and how ridiculous the whole thing was. It should have never happened to begin with. Like, yeah, it sucks these people died. The the submersive, it, you, it's not even a submarine. You have to call it a submersive. That vessel should was not should not have ever been allowed to do what it did. It was carbon fiber. It was for absurd. God's sakes. <laughs> it was absurd that this ever even was allowed to happen to begin with. So I saw that they like immediately put up job open for a new Jesus Christ yeah for a new pilot for a submersive that's good taste and so now the new update is Titan suspends submersive operations now I don't (laughs) and that with their whole company indefinite is? yeah that's ba- I, I thought i thought it was but to be honest with you i really haven't looked into the company i have into so. the weeds beyond that i just assumed that that's what it was because whenever you're charging what was it two hundred fifty thousand yeah, dollars grand a person and they had five people on there including the pilot though so they made easily a million dollars on that oh, one yeah, trip yeah that's one trip and this is something that they were doing frequently throughout the year as well insane so yeah totally insane suspended operations I, I mean, obviously, maybe A, lack of pilot, B, 
I don't think you would want to work for an organization that this happened in, and no matter what the amount of money that they're throwing at you. And then C, public backlash, right? Right, right. Yeah, I don't, I don't see them being able to uh, have a positive return ever again after that. Right, right, right. So, <laughs> yeah, they're going to have to go to hiding, rebrand, and uh, time's yeah. going to have to pass yeah. for them to ever do anything close to that again in the future. The big piece of current events that we want to talk about, and it's a little bit more local, but it did get some national attention, and that is skate laborious burns to the ground in St. Louis. What a fucking shame, man. This is a fucking shame for sure. It was a you know awesome cathedral style church that uh, was purchased uh, some years back and turned into a skate park. It's become world famous. Bands have shot music videos there. Well, it's famous a, skaters have went there. Right, it's a staple in the St. Louis community, like yeah. skate community. Like, yeah, I mean, it's literally providing a public service as well. I mean, right. they literally do like educational things. They do events. They were at Punk Rock Flea Market. Yeah. Um, Skate Laborious had a vert ramp there, and uh, we know some people that work with them. And uh, we're hoping to do some stuff with Skate Laborious, but unfortunately on account of this, there's not going to be a lot going on other than uh, we're going to be talking about some fundraising opportunities. These guys have a GoFundMe out there. They're looking to raise, I believe it's $500,000, which I think is very attainable. Yeah. I can't believe that they're not asking for more because I'm sure that that building and that location's worth more than that. I mean, they literally don't have a roof. I think really the only thing that's good that they can build upon or continue with is the foundation, from my understanding in news reports. But the owner of Skate Laborious did reach out to us, sent us a direct message, asked that we promote um, their need and send out the GoFundMe link. They, I think they also have like Venvo, Venmo information out there too if you right, just want to make right. a direct don- donation, not go through that. And uh, we will be posting those things on social media going forward and, and sharing those routinely. We did a collaboration with Skate Laborious whenever we were at the STL Punk Flea Market. So you'll see our posting where we took some shots of the vert ramps, some of the skaters, some of the landscape bands playing in the background, the fact that you could see the arch. You know, again, something that was uniquely St. Louis was a St. Louis staple. Yeah, and hopefully, like like you said, man, hopefully uh, people who will also get you know embrace embrace this group and uh, get out and help support trying to rebuild what they can. You know what I mean? It's meant so much to so many people, and I know it was really devastating for a lot of people. You know, like a lot yeah. of a couple of our close close friends, like you said, are involved in it. So yeah, I just hope uh, hope the community can give back a little bit. Right restore a little bit of what it was you know what i mean yeah and the fires too actually affected the urban farm that's up there in oh St. really Louis. i was reading really? about that too and uh, you know that's that's a passion project up there and a really great community service thing that there is and to have urban farms in you know highly populated and congested cities it does so much for just the environment outside of the rewarding factors and you know the benefits of farming and reaping what you sow you know right but yeah an urban farm had um unfortunately been lost due to the to the fires at skate laborious as well so our hearts are with skate laborious we're gonna have some information on the episode details on where you can donate to them and then we will also be sharing separately on social media specifically what to do with skate laborious as well so keep an eye out for that going forward we are ready to invite in wes hoffman of 314 punk wes hoffman and friends He's got a podcast out there. He's just launching. We're going to get into it all with him today. Stick around after the break. Wes, how are you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you guys? 
We're doing fantastic. Doing great, man. Happy to have you, West. And uh, this has been something I've been looking forward to for sure. I kind of wanted to detail with our audience kind of how we usually start our conversations with our guests is how we come across them, their work, and the things that they do. And that was through the work that you did with the 314 Punk page. Specifically, I saw, you know, reels of venues and local shows that you were putting up. Sure. Uh, singles of the week, you know, uh, albums of the week, things of that ilk, kind of just like promoting up and coming artists and uh, heavily leaning into St. Louis specifically. And uh, that's something that for sure that is kind of the spirit of our show and the things that we try to do. So I felt like there automatically there would be a kinship and was interested in talking to you. Absolutely. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me and I, I appreciate what you're doing with highlighting people in St. Louis and beyond as well. So yeah, I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I know that you've got multiple irons in the fire. You've got your own musical endeavors that you're diving into. You're doing the 314 punk stuff. And I know you've had varying responsibilities with that over time. You've also got had podcasts, have a new podcast coming out. We're going to get into all of it today. Kind of where I wanted to start things, of course, everything centered around music largely that we're going to be talking about today. So where did the love of music start? Was there any key moments, influences, peoples, persons, bands? What would you kind of point back to in time where it was, you know, I need to do something in my life with music? Absolutely. You know, I've always been a big music person. Like my mom growing up was, uh, she majored in music and, and played the piano and sings and still plays the piano and sings. And now she teaches my nieces and nephews how to play piano. And uh, growing up, I, we, it was probably when we were around four or five years old, she started giving me and my sisters like piano lessons. And we started, you know, we my mom was always singing songs to us and with us and uh there was always music playing i felt like in the car and stuff like that so you know i've never really been without that influence in my life but when i really kind of got to the i kind of got tired of piano around the same time that i got interested in the guitar so like uh the piano was kind of like boring to me you know and i i wasn't really like i i think i was too young to really understand like how to make my own music with it i was just like reading yeah. music and playing other songs and uh when i was about 12 or 13, I got a, a Christian music sampler called Seltzer, and it had uh, this thing <laughs> called MXPX on it. And I didn't yes. even know how to say, like, the, the name of the band. Like, right. <laughs> I thought it was, yeah. like, Mixed Picks or something like that. And uh, yes. they had a song on there, and I thought it was so cool. It was, like, it was faster. It was, like, a little bit more aggressive. The guy sounded like he was, like, kind of pissed off about some stuff. Yeah. And I was like, this is really cool. I, I've never heard anything like this. And um, looking back now, the song wasn't even that fast of a tempo. It was just faster sure. than anything I had ever heard. And around that time, I had I had started playing guitar. I mean, this was probably, like, you know, mid-90s, um, 95 and um, 94, 95. And I... Uh, you know, I, I was taking lessons and I brought like some of the MXPX stuff and Blink-182 stuff to my guitar teacher. And I, he was probably like, oh, my God, like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> you know, because he yeah. was teaching me like how to read music and these scales, and like how to improv and stuff. And then I'm bringing him a bunch of stuff that's just like straight power chords, you know. So <laughs> sure. um, shortly after I mean, shortly after that, I, I started a band in high school. Um, I was from a really small town. So like. There weren't a lot of people around that were into the same kind of music, um, but or, or let alone like played rock music. That was really my entry point. And then, you know, when I got into kind of like early college, I, I met some other guys. I met our bass player who plays in West Hoffman and friends with me now. Literally, it'll be 22 years tomorrow that we met 
Wow. He was in a different band, and I was in a different band, and, and we were right at that crossroads in our life when we were 18. They just graduated high school, and so uh, we started a band called, you might know this, it's the Livingston Project. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that. Like, we're, we were, after I left the band, they kind of turned into like a Thursday type, like, yeah. metal core band. Uh, that would have been like early 2000s, so. You know, and then and then I honestly, for like several years, when I got like into my mid twenty, early and mid twenties, like I didn't play music for like eight years. You know, I didn't even pick up a guitar. I was just kind of like that part of my life is done. Like now, I I got married at the time. You know, I bought a house. I was doing the adult career thing, and yeah. uh, I didn't play for a really long time. And you know, it wasn't until twenty fifteen that I started playing again with a friend. I rented a studio here at Encapsulated Studios, and you know, then. In 2017, Wes Hoffman and Friends was born, and and we kind of went from there. So yeah, that's that's the brief history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. My, Sounds like you hit it career. all. Well, let me let me back that up because you said something earlier that I was actually kind of interested in. You said you were from a small town, and what town yeah. was that that you're from? Vandalia, Illinois. Okay. Vandalia. Yeah. Very I've familiar. actually heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we've had some uh, friends who had relations there and things like that. So, like, that's how I'm familiar with it specifically. Right. So, Vandalia, Illinois. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We uh we kind of, <laughs> or at least I, I actually was born in St. Louis, and uh, I have a lot of family up there still yet. But in the flood of '93, we lost our house, and so that kind of forced oh, us wow. to like relocate. So my parents had family in the area which we're now kind of like within 40 miles of each other so that kind of became the convenient thing like you know move to your support system and sure. uh, we basically ended up down here and been down here ever since yeah we're we're used to the small town mystique it's a little bit smaller and a little bit more laid back down here but not too far away from the st louis yeah. area how far is vandalia from st louis i don't I'm uh, it's cool. a little over an hour it's a little over okay, an hour that's not just, too bad. just it's a straight shot on I-70. I was actually just up there on 4th of July to see my parents. and okay. but, but I didn't really, you know, man, like I grew, I grew up on a farm prior to like until I was like 16. So right until around that time that I was yeah. kind of like coming of age, so to speak, or like kind of figuring out the things that I really liked. And I always kind of, I loved growing up on a farm when I was a kid because like we had yeah. horses, we had pigs, cows, like it was just like, it felt like a big, huge giant. We had four wheelers and my dad, and my grandpa in the wintertime would like build, they built us like a massive swing set and a water slide. And we had a pond that was like treated with chemicals so you could swim in it and it wouldn't grow moss and all that stuff. So like it, I had a really cool childhood growing up on the farm but like then when i got older i was like we're so far away from everything like our, sure. our the nearest town is like 10 miles away if you ever you know and i kind of got a little like i remember feeling just like oh my god we're out here in the middle of nowhere like once sure. i got older and kind of got my bearings of of things yeah. and everything that's happening that's worth going to is really far away so now i've lived i've lived in st louis now for uh, or nearby for close to 20 years i lived in like collinsville which is just across the river for 10 years right. and then um you know i've been back in st louis now for a little over three so you know and i i like i like a little bit of both i find that like if I'm in the city for too long, my girlfriend loves to hike and and be out in in the middle of the woods and stuff like that. And if I'm in the city for too long, I feel the need to go where there's like not any noise, you know? Right, right. So um, I feel the need to go out in the woods or the country and just like let's go yeah. for a hike, let's go where it's quiet, like let's just kind of get away from the noise and and from the, all the people <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, but, you know, absolutely. Yeah, I totally understand that, I, and I can relate totally, kind of to the coming of age tale that you gave, and that is like you know being in a small area, you're like, oh, I'm going to get out of here. I'm, I I don't want to be around this, and 
I think a lot of that had to do with like, I was uncertain with myself, what I wanted to do, who I wanted it to be, you know, those sorts of things. And, and once I got older and started to have my own family and things like kind of priorities change, but you're like more at peace with yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, you're not so like concerned with being in the middle of the hustle and bustle. And I'm not saying like, you know, methodically, I was like, I need to keep myself busy uh, and I need to move to the city or anything perhaps. But I, I think a, a lot of that had to do with just how I, me being comfortable in my own skin. Right. And so I can kind of relate on some level with that. Another thing I wanted to ask you, Wes, too, uh, you mentioned, you know, your, your mom being a musician as well. What kind of music is she kind of into? Like, is it more classically trained type stuff? Is that kind of what you grew up around that, her doing? Or? Yeah, yeah, definitely more classically trained type music. I mean, I'm trying to think of, well, my dad, my dad really liked to like even even old stuff like Nat King Cole, um, kind of Frank Sinatra. Oh, Classic. Um, you know, my dad was really into yeah. stuff like the Doobie Brothers, like yeah. Rush, old rock, you know. So my dad was kind of yeah. Stephen Wolf was one of his favorite bands. Like growing up, we had and like you know they would they would get me sometimes. Like my family was really religious, so we listened to a lot of Christian music too. But like every once in a while, they would sure. get me. Like my dad would get like an Eric Clapton greatest hits or something. You know, we we had a lot of tapes yeah. like that kind of laying around. I definitely as I kind of got. As I started playing the guitar, I was definitely more interested in music that was like, you know, had this guitar making this yeah. sound that was like that I didn't know how to make. Right. But it sounded really cool, you know. Again, I can relate to that because I grew up in a pretty like strict religious um, <laughs> upbringing, especially yeah. until I was like about 17 or 18 when I finally started like getting out of my own and having my own experiences. And yeah. uh, we like there was a point that like we could only listen to Christian music, too, even though like I'd go to public school and I would hear like. Limp Biscuit and stuff like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Corn, I, I want that album. Like, I would like trade things so I could sneak <laughs> it home, like, you know, so I could have corn. Like, I remember when issues came out, I'm like, I'll trade you this hat to some kid. And he was like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just so I, I can get that to other it, music. That's okay. Right, you right. <laughs> you know, and this is, of course, before like internet piracy and things like that, even. So yeah, it was like, you know, CDs specifically yeah. you had to have in your possession or you like tape stuff off of terrestrial radio. Yeah, you know <laughs> yeah i actually it's, had that thing from home alone though you know what i'm talking about the yeah, crazy thing. Talk talk back. Yeah, yeah i actually have one of those guys for christmas i love that I, <laughs> I recorded yeah, so much amazing. music with that thing <laughs> <laughs> i love it it's interesting how that religious upbringing like I, i've talked about this a lot with the guys in my band and like you know we don't have to go super into it but it's interesting how much that shapes you growing up you know what i mean yeah. as you kind of like get Definitely. older and like i'm not don't consider myself a religious person no my own ideas of spirituality and my own beliefs and everything but it's interesting sure. that's how i got into mxpx you know what i mean right that's yeah. like, and how a lot of those things though that you used to believe or that you were like kind of those beliefs that were handed down to you how they affect you now and how you kind of you know in my like early to late 20s i started to kind of deconstruct and thinking like oh yeah you know, I don't know if I really believe these things that I've been taught all my life or, you know, kind of right. taking different things from it. And then also listening to a lot of punk rock, you kind of you hear a lot of different ideas and ideals from For sure. those guys who are singing that stuff. And a lot of it's not, you know, a lot of people like your parents want you to stay away from it because they <laughs> it could be a right. bad influence. You know what I mean? But like now you get right. older and you're like, OK, I get it. I get what like these guys like joe strummer we're, we're singing about and yeah get what like the guys from bad religion are talking about and you know like i get it now right you know yeah right you can relate to it right For yeah sure. and it's it's funny like some of the things that they would teach against i mean it's just 
ignorance on some level, you know, lack of knowledge. But it's funny to like think like I would, you know, in my church and, you know, the denominations that we were in stuff like United Pentecostal Apostolic, it was like pretty strict, you know, like dress code yeah. and that sort of stuff. I, it's just funny, like the things that they'd speak out against. But then actually, whenever you kind of had those secular experiences, you're like, it's really not what they think it is or that they're <laughs> right, preaching about right. like you know like a band like the descendants like they would think that that's devil music it's like hey man this, this guy's like talking about growing up basically like right. going yeah. to college and things like you know it's like there's nothing that's pretty wholesome different the themes, isn't evil really yeah i <laughs> yeah. mean it's 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 kind of crazy you know like once you kind of actually start to have those i had a professor in college one time and it was funny enough as i think he kind of leaned more in the closed off world uh, ways of thinking, but he said he he had made this analogy. You know, once you get to college, he kind of gave us all the spiel on the first day. He was like, "You're gonna your worldview is this right now," and he kind of used his hands, you know, as yeah. a visual. And he goes, "As you start to go to college and you start to learn from people and meet new people, your worldview is going to start to do this, and you're going to see things in your periphery that you didn't see before and realize things." And actually, it was kind of apt. Like that's really what happened for right. me as I started to yeah. break out of that that bubble. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you know, staying for me, staying in that little bubble in that little like narrow vision is like that hit to me that I felt like that was hindering my personal growth. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think we I need to try different things. We need to experience different things instead of just being told, like, don't do this because it's wrong. And it's a, you know, if you right. do this, like it's a slippery slope more, you know, that, that type of thing. So I think it's definitely, it can be more detrimental to your, your personal growth than, you know, like opening up your mind to bigger ideas and ideals, you know, 100%. So, like how do you know we're going to go down this whole road, but I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> hey, here for it. You know, that's, yeah. that's the show, man. That's yeah. what we do, man. We, uh, I like to have real conversations, you know? <laughs> but yeah, man, like I, I just, I just feel kind of like there's a lot of kinship here and that's, that's always a good thing in a conversation. And, um, and I can relate to a lot of what you're talking about. Yeah. Small town lifestyle growing up in the small town for sure. Yeah. can relate to that, especially with religious experiences. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now let's talk about kind of like some of the first shows that you started playing because now I can kind of see it through your lens a little bit better. Kind of knowing your background, like, sure. That had to be pretty eye awakening. Like once you actually started like gigging out, like playing your first gigs with your bands that you had. Like, kind of tell me, do you remember your first show and like what that experience was like? Yeah, was it a shit oh, show. Spill the tea. <laughs> yeah, the tea. yeah. I definitely remember uh, my first show. Uh, we played in Vandalia. It was a show that I organized because I've always been kind of a one thing about me is I've always been the person that's like in every band that I've been in that takes the lead on like booking. Let's get merch. Let's do like I yeah. like the bigger picture of the band of like, hey, you know, I think we could get signed to a label. I think we should tour. We should tour with this band. I've always been the person that's like making the connections and, and building yeah. the relationships with people. So, you know, even early on, I was the one who was like booking shows in my own hometown because at first, like that's the only place that we could play, you know? Right. Uh, right. And so we played a show at this place called The Barn in Vandalia. It was our church's basically all purpose building. It was like a gym. Yeah. And we had uh, an, an older band that they were a couple years older than us. They had already graduated high school and everything, but they were still living in town. They were called Kick In Emergency. Uh, maybe you've heard of them, but they, they were kind of bigger back in the day. And then we had a band from like the next town, uh, next couple towns over called Briar Fox, and they played. And 
I kid you not, there was close to 200 people at the show (laughs) because they, you know, and I even see this to this day is when you hit towns that are smaller, um, like a Cape Girardeau or a uh, St. Joseph, Missouri or Carbondale, there's not much to do in those towns as opposed to like St. Louis or Chicago or Nashville. So there's not a lot of competition. So when something cool happens, it's like, Everybody goes. There's a place in St. Joseph that it's called Skate Bar. And it's one of those places that like, no matter who's playing, there's probably going to be 50 people there that night, no matter what. And because it's like a club, it's like the cool place to hang out. You know, it's where all the skateboarders and punk kids go. So, uh, yeah, that was our first show. And and that was the first show that I ever really played in front of people that felt like a punk show. And what you're talking about, like the first show that was really eye opening to me was um, I came down to St. Louis and saw MXPX in 2000. So I would have been 17. It was December of 2000. And then they came back in February or March. Um, but I remember being, because they were my favorite band. They're still one of my favorite bands at, at, at this point in time. Like, um, yeah, they're good. I'm actually, good I'm, band. I'm happy to say it. Like Mike Herrera has become a friend of mine over the last few years and everything like that, which is really cool. Very cool. Um, that's awesome, dude. I was actually just on his podcast a couple of months ago too. So nice, but yeah, it's it's really. I got to meet him like several years ago. We had it. We hired him to come out and do like a keynote speech, and like ever since there, then we've kept in touch. But when I saw that show and I went and saw them, I, I really didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how it was at the pageant. I didn't know how big this venue was going to be, but I was like, I I remember being there and look, oh my god, these are my people. Like in in my yeah. hometown. I'm one of the only people like I'm, I'm one yeah. out of five people that even know about this band. Cause this is way before, you know, like the internet became like so accessible. Um, and right. even before like, you know, media piracy was like really a thing. Like Napster was still just taking flight. And right. I remember thinking like, there's 2000 people here that like, we all have this in common and it's this music and like kind of at home, I'm a little bit of an outcast. Like people think I'm weird and, I wear my hair all spiked up and I, you know, I wore the big like Jinko style jeans when I was like in high school and stuff. And, and, but (laughs) here I'm accepted, you know what I mean? And that, that to this day has always stuck with me a little bit is that like, especially now that, you know, my band has been doing a lot more touring and stuff like that. We're going out of town. It's like, I feel accepted when I'm in these, these venues and these places with these people, like there's some kind of common thread that, binds us all together and i think that's really cool absolutely and like i would say like the most spiritual experiences that i've even personally had and coming from a guy you know with the religious oppression we'll we'll circle back on that Uh, (laughs) yeah but the most like spiritual experiences that i've had actually is the exact scenario that you're talking about is going to shows and relating with people that I've never met, but we're here for a common cause. And that is to support these artists that we all enjoy. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's a varying bill, you know, so some people are here to see certain bands, whereas you might be here to see a different band or whatever the case is. But, you know, that's the opportunity if you're not familiar with the work or you just know it at a glance to kind of get in deeper and uh, find things that you like. And then again, relate to other people that you never met before. So that was the thing that attracted me immediately about going to shows. Like it kind of started with local shows a little bit more. So for me, I would say because we would throw local shows down here in the Farmington area. And there's a place called Bob Arenos, yep, definitely, um, which yep, is pretty popular. Yeah. Joey O'Farrell used to book shows there all the time. He's yep. kind of from our area as well. We've had him on the show previously. Joey's a good friend um, of mine. Yep. He, he's, he's a great name. Dude. 
Yeah, the man. And we would, you know, I'd go and I'd see bands and like some kids I went to school with, Last Flight Home. We looked up to them. They were kind of like, you know, idols to us as kids. Oh, yeah. I was huge fan. And <laughs> uh, they were a few years ahead of us. And we would, you know, go to shows and just like freak out. And like once I got the opportunity to play with them, I thought I was really doing something. Yeah. You know, like I was like going places. I just remember kind of those hallmarks of, you know, circling this back into playing music to not just going to shows. But, you know, once we started playing in St. Louis and other places in the Midwest and, you know, that reward of that instant satisfaction that you get and feedback, you know, from people like you feel like you belong. Right. So I would say like my most spiritual experiences relate around music specifically. It just hit me like everybody that's at the show is connecting with the music. Right. You know what I mean? So so that's why you're all there and you're connecting. I mean, there might be people that are like you know, don't connect with one specific band or, or something like that. But sure. everyone there is like connecting to that. So you know that like you're all connecting to this one singular point, which is the music. So you're all connected through that. And right. it's a really cool thing because you feel you feel like, oh, hey, we're all here. We're all like here for kind of the same reason, which is this music. And like, even if you don't like this one specific band, you're kind of here for like, you know, we are the outcasts. We are the people that maybe don't right. fit in and don't want to follow the status quo. Um, you know what Absolutely. I mean? So, so that's, that's where you and to feel that like acceptance and community and is, is really a beautiful thing. And I, I always say it all, all my shows, like no matter who you want to be and no matter who you are, like no matter like anything, because you know, there's so many different dimensions of, of how we're diverse today. Um, right. So you can be who you, whoever you want to be at this show right now. And, and that's what I, how I always felt growing up at, at shows. Yeah. And, um, I just always, I never felt like I had to hide and other places at other points in my life. Um, I felt like I had sure. to hide, <laughs> hide different dimensions right. of who yeah. I am, you know, and I don't want people to feel sure. like that way at our shows. I want them to feel like if there's ever one time where they can be who they want to be, it's at a West Hoffman yeah. show. Yeah. And uh, I don't think there's any, you know, bigger byline than that specifically. And I know that I, I want to get back into kind of some of, you know, your varying experiences and things too, because I know that you've been in other projects in the past and I don't want to pass up what you're doing right now. Specifically, we got a chance to listen to some of your music and I want to pick out a few things there yeah. that I kind of noticed uh, as well as the podcast that you got going on. Didn't you, I, I believe uh, recently, whenever I listened to uh, For What It's Worth with Wes Hoffman, yeah. <laughs> your new podcast, you had mentioned that you were like in a metalcore band in 0405. Yes. What what band was that? It was it was pretty, it was a little short-lived, but it was called Shots Rang Out. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. We opened for a band called Ed Gein, which is like a grindcore metal band. Yes. We opened for the Acacia. Definitely know who that yeah. is. <laughs> uh, we opened for the Acacia Strain, which was like, which is insane to think about now because they're just huge. But this was back in like 04, 05. And they put an album out in 06 that yeah. just like catapulted them to the top of like right. that scene. Um, but we, we played a lot of yes. shows in... Um, uh, we we were all from the Illinois side, so Edwardsville. I was living in Highland, Illinois at the time, and uh, so we played some shows in like like on the Illinois side too. We uh, uh, the Highland VFW was doing a lot of shows yes. at the time, and again, a small town that like hey, when the one thing happening in town yes, is sir. going on, there was I mean there would be two hundred kids at these shows sometimes. It was in, it was incredible. So um, and then like Belleville, there was a Belleville Art Center that was like doing shows at the time too. So I was the 
the clean vocalist and the like like we had uh we had a we had a singer who did all the screaming and then i would do like the pretty sounding vocals like on the choruses and stuff and then i would yeah, uh, yeah. we also had a guy that was like super technical on the riffs and i would do more of kind of just the like go. raw you know every metal band has every Chuggy metal guitar. band oh, has chugs. a good guitar player <laughs> and every metal band has like an okay guitar player. and i was the okay yeah. guitar player I one. <laughs> but we yeah. dude, everybody's got their role we, yeah, everybody's got. <laughs> we jumped around and like we we totally tried to do like we totally tried to copy some of those bands like Story of the Year that were like just you know popping off at the time. Like we do all kinds of karate kicks and like you know I had the really I was like a lot you know I was I mean this was twenty years ago so like I had the long emo hair coming down like you know down yeah, the side yeah. and I would like uh, my girlfriend yeah. at the time would like we'd go shopping together and in like the same section, like cause I I'd buy girls jeans and she'd like help me pick out the right size and everything. Cause I was just like a skinny little kid back then. But, um, but yeah, that was the look back then though, man, that was what was up. It was, it was for sure. Those that, that Highland mentioned reminds me that we, we played quite a few shows out at the Highland uh, VFW hall as well as uh, a band called we were statues in the okay. worlds. We played a lot of shows with bands like Masada complex. We played a show with a band called plagues. They're pretty like heavy, but the first show that we played out there was just the scenario that you talked about where it was like 200 people plus showed up. I think there was like five or six bands on the bill. And uh, that was a bit of drive for us. I want to say it's at least two hours or so. From where from you're where at. We yeah, live. Probably. And we had to take like two cars because uh, <laughs> nobody had a vehicle big enough to like, cause we were running full stack and right. and all that all shit yeah and it was uh even just as a four piece so we had two guitarists a uh, bassist who was the vocalist and me as the drummer it was it was always we had to like kind of run like a, a a wagon chain up to any show like that was far away up until the point that my mom got a van and i was like hey mom i'll borrow your van for the weekend yeah we were able to put everything in there but uh yeah those highland shows man a lot of good memories up there oh, for absolutely sure. yeah i think we played there twice and I had went to a bunch of shows up there as well. I, I didn't live far away, so I think Spittlefield may have played. Maybe that was before. That might have been before they were doing. Well, shows they're at like from the Carbondale area. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. yeah, and they're getting ready to do like a twenty-year anniversary show. I think. Yeah, so. I think they, they just, just played did. St. They Louis. Just did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just did. yeah. It's yeah. incredible, man. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I missed that one. They yeah. used to play down here quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Good guys for sure. Uh, you know and. Whenever I listen to your uh, most or your first episode, I should say, Wes, uh, for what it's worth, too, I think you had made a mention of, you know, how in some of these like local music scenes, they kind of get oversaturated with like bands playing all the time. I'm just kind of paraphrasing a point that you made. I think that's kind of what happened there in that Highland scene. But, you know, it happens in St. Louis. It happened down here on the Farmington scene. Yeah, where bands, the same bands were playing all the time. And I think you know, I, taking away from what you said in that, not to make too hard of a shift, like I think a lot of bands could like learn from that today, you know, not to oversaturate your market and take some of those weekend trips if you can, even if it means playing less shows, getting out, playing new places, meeting new people, making new connections and that sort of thing and like yeah, spreading absolutely. your social circle. Absolutely. Yeah. That's something that I've have, you know, going back to the earlier in the conversation, I've said that I've always been the guy that's like pushing the project forward and stuff like that. And I think like with a couple of years ago when I when I started releasing singles off of our EP, uh, Rewrite the Story, I remember that it, I, I had went through a divorce and separation. Me and my wife separated and right before COVID. And I started writing these songs to kind of like get a lot of that out. And I, I remember thinking like, 
okay, I'm going to try to write one of the best songs that I can write. And that song ended up being what's left of me, which is like our, our, our most listened to song on all platforms. And like, um, at the time that was the best song that I could write. And I'm still really, really proud of that song. But I remember thinking if I'm really going to do this again, if I'm really going to like start writing music and releasing music, I want to do this strategically. I want to, I don't want to just be playing all the time. I don't want to just take whatever offer. And, and I think, you know, and and I remember thinking, I'm going to just see how far this project will go. If I actually, you know, even though I'm like at the time, you know, I was like 37 years old, I'm going to see how far this will go. I think with that, you know, you have to start thinking about like, you know, when I get offered shows, I start thinking, okay, when is it? What else do we have around that time? Who is it with? You know, you really need to evaluate like what, what is the purpose of me doing this? Is how far is this going to get me? Is this, you know, and sometimes you take a show because you want to just play for fun and that's great. But um, when you start doing that too much, you know, uh, you don't, people start kind of feeling, and especially if you're promoting more than one show at a time, people start seeing, oh, well, they're playing July 1st and they're playing July, you know, 18th. Well, I can, I can see them either time. So I won't come to this one, but I'll come to that one. Right. You know, so I, I started getting really, I started really looking at what bigger bands do. And bigger bands don't, you know, you right. look at a band like Story of the Year, perfect example. Like, I mean, they're way, way bigger than, than anything that I'm doing. So I, like, I'm not comparing myself to them by any means. But how often do they play St. Louis? Maybe twice a year. Right. So right. far this year, they played St. Louis right. one time and we're halfway through the year. You know, they might play one more time. If they right. started playing every month, like the first couple times, there'd be a lot of people there. But after a while, people would start being like, oh, well. I can catch them anytime and I've already seen them three times in a row. So my wallet's kind of hurting because I'm going right. every time. And so I'll, I'll take a few months off and then, you know, so, I mean, and that might not right. be like story of the year actually might, if they played once a month for a year, they actually might do pretty well. I don't know. But like, I don't think as, as a local sure. band, uh, you know, I, I started thinking just, Hey, maybe if we keep it to a minimum, more people will show up because, then we're only playing, right. you know, um, you know, every three or four months or something like that. So, and there's right. also, I, I also want to rephrase this too. Like th- this is all very fluid and it's not a one size fits all thing. So if you're a band and you're listening to me and you're, sure. you know, if you, I had a, a friend who was in a band and he told me, uh, um, a couple months ago I went to a show and he was like, dude, I'm just going to be straight up with you. He's like, I am totally okay with just being a local band and like playing whenever we want to play. And I'm like, okay, great, dude. Like then, then you know what you want, you know what you want and you're doing it. And that's, that's awesome. You know what I mean? So, So it's not, it's, you know, some, some bands just like to play and that's great, you know, but strategically, I feel like if I, if I want to get as many people as there as I possibly can, I need to space it out. And I love to play and I, you know, I love, we love to play live and we have a great live show. We jump around, we get the crowd involved. And now we're, now we're at a point where, you know, especially when we play hometown shows, like people know the words and they sing along and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I definitely feel like our live shows are really special and I want to keep them special. So I also feel like there's a lot of places like Cape Girardeau, uh, Carbondale, Columbia, Missouri, Springfield, Illinois. Yes. Um, The Quad Cities is not very far. Kansas City is three hours and 45 minutes away. Springfield, Missouri is like, it's kind of far, but like, you know, Indianapolis is three hours from here. Like there's a lot of places that 
if you are looking to branch out, it takes a little effort, but you can book shows at those places. Sure. And, and, um, you know, we've, I think aside from Springfield, we've hit every place on that. I just li- mentioned is both of it. We've yeah. never played Springfield, um, Illinois or, or Missouri, but you know, we've hit like Bloomington and stuff like that. So there's other places around right. that you can play that, that then help you expand your fan base. You know what I mean? Like, so you go to Kansas and you play in front of a, you get paired up with a, a bunch of good locals and you play in front of a hundred people. And, you know, maybe some of those people will come see the one or two shows that you play in St. Louis, you know, you know, or, or maybe, maybe you're just branching right. out a little bit more, you know, you're getting more people to like, listen to your stuff. And so that's, that's really when I, when I kind of sat back and started thinking about, you know, how could I really make this the best that I want it to be? you know, just taking time to think about it, about how many shows we want to do in our hometown and, and, you know, how, how close they are in vicinity. And every once in a while, like, you know, we had played, we, in February, we, we played a hometown show that was the end of our tour in February. And then, um, like we got offered to play with our friends and keep flying that, that we have played with them before. And they're all good friends of mine from way back in the day. And it was only three weeks away. And I was like, we, you know, even though we just played here, like, we'll, we'll open for them and we'll support them and, and, you know, get some people out to that. So, so there are exceptions to that rule. (laughs) You know, again, I want to say it's like, it's all a very fluid thing, but like, I am a big believer in like space out your shows, you know, go away for a little while so that people have a, like, if you play, if you play a really good show and everyone leaves there thinking, Oh my God, that was fucking awesome. I really enjoyed that show. I had a great time. Then like, you know, the, they're going to be looking for the next time that you play. And then the next time you announce it right, is, right. Um, oh, shoot, they're playing like in three months from now. Like, I definitely need to get back out there again. Or on the flip side of that, oh, shit, I yeah. missed them. Like, I definitely need to get out to the next one. So it just, it's really like just very simple supply and demand and marketing. Sure. 100%. Yeah. You don't want to oversaturate your markets and uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder in many cases as well. Absolutely. So, you know, not, we're not saying we're not, insinuating anybody should neglect anybody <laughs> <laughs> and again that's that's all uh, just West my team, opinion very... i don't want if anybody's listening to this it's like disagrees with sure. me like that's totally fine like you know that's just my opinion and right how I yeah do i mean really it has to do with like what are you trying to do right that's that's what you need everybody to has yourself. a different goal and you made a good point earlier like you know the friend of yours that's fine with being a local band playing as much as possible or whatever in the, in the local music scene that's great and if that's what you want to do, and I'm not like trying to say that incredulously or like dismissively, but you know, that's, you know what you want to do. Actually, I find yeah. that to be awesome. Right. Personally, Somebody you know, absolutely. They want, right? you know, you're doing <laughs> what you want to do. 100%. I mean, we've got, I've got friends that are in their forties starting yeah. brand new bands right. in the St. Louis area. And I think like we commonly have conversations between us and our friend circle. I'm like, man, I hope I fucking do that too. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, that I want again. to have that spirit. <laughs> you know, still yet in seeking out playing new music and playing out for people. So yeah, you just really have to ask yourself at the end of the day, what you want to do, what the strategy is. And I think, you know, if you're looking to expand your audience and, uh, you know, getting some notoriety outside of a local music scene, kind of some of the stepping stones and advice that you've given, I think is very important to consider without question. I totally agree with you. Like knowing what you want is, is like literally half the battle. And most of the time, you know, even, even um, most of the time when I've known and, and planned out like, okay, I think I want to do a tour. Like, you know, the, the, 
I wouldn't even say, I wouldn't say the minute I started, but like when I decided, Hey, we should probably do a little like weekender a few days later, somebody reached out to me and was like, Hey, do you guys want to do a weekender with us? You know? So like sometimes things like that, there is a weird, you know, not to get too woo woo about it. Cosmic some alignment. kind of alignment yeah. <laughs> or like a signal goes out to like, Oh, maybe someone else is thinking that same thought, you know? And, and, um, <laughs> it, it, it right. definitely works. I mean, it's a very similar thing with like, you know, I have in my notebook here, in my studio, like I've written down goals for our band for this year. And I wrote, I wrote them down last winter and I can honestly say, uh, we've crossed off most of those goals already this year and we're only halfway through the year. So if, if you don't know on the flip side of that, if you don't know what you want, you're just kind of, Oh, you know, saying yes to everything or like, you know, just kind of floating out here. Not, not really. And I, and I've had, points in my life where I've been like that, where I've just kind of felt kind of aimless and lost and don't really know what I'm doing. And, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, it, you know, right. especially in my, my, my professional career, like when I have a shitty job, I'll be like, okay, why, wh where did this go wrong? Like, what is it that I really want to do? I don't like what I'm right. doing right now. So like, what is it that I wouldn't really want to do in my career? And every time that I've gotten clear on that right. and gotten clarity, then like, then the strategy almost like just kind of unfolds on its own. No, I, I agree. You always have to assess kind of what the motives are, what your interests are. You know, you kind of mentioned kind of some marketing talk or whatever, you know, that's, that's kind of like one-on-one, like you're going to get projects in that, in that sort of thing where you're not, it's not going to be a passion project for you, you know, especially if you're doing things on a certain commission or whatever the case is, it, it goes into whenever you're doing things in your personal life, such as a band, you like don't have to do those things. You know, you get yeah. to make those decisions right. too. So, uh, again, you know, I, I like your idea of actually like writing down goals because, you know, to have them in your head, sometimes, you know, you can kind of get inside your own head. You can forget things. I think there's something to like, it's like you're almost actualizing yes. it to an extent. You're manifesting right. it. Once you start putting things on paper or putting things out there, uh, you know, it's like you're holding yourself to a certain accountability too. So I think that that's always a good thing too for folks to employ. Absolutely. We, we hit on and kind of mentioned in passing some of your, music already Wes and singles that you have out there. I want to say, you know, like the first time I heard what's left of me, I'm like, man, this is like a punk rock anthem, <laughs> like, you know, a pop punk anthem specifically. Thank you. Like this is like hitting all the hallmarks of like, you know, this this is pop punk. You know, if if somebody was to ask me, give me an example of pop punk, I've never heard it, I would play that song. Kind of thematically some of the things that you're talking about in the song is often, you know, things that are in pop punk music. For what it's worth to me, that's, again, kind of another really good, I would consider it almost a, a ballad yeah. of sorts, just obviously because of the, the dynamic of, you know, the guest vocalist work as well. But, you know, I think like your music too, and, and me listening to it and really trying to pay attention to the lyrics and, and what you're saying, while it has the elements of, you know, popular pop punk music and things, you know, dealing with thematically kind of angsty stuff and themes or like, but it really seems like you're focusing in on the mantra of the glass half full still yet. Like, I think you have like a positivity sprinkled in there. Like, for example, what's left of me, you kind of detailed kind of what was the driving force of that song earlier. But even whenever you said in my darkest hours, I found my power. It's, you know, you're still finding that silver lining in situations in trying situations. And, uh, I mean, like, I think that's just a great message to have in your music too. And, uh, I didn't know, you know, obviously what the story was behind s some of your music too, before talking to you today, 
But I, I was going to ask, you know, how, how are you coming up with these concepts and inspiration sure. to write some of these lyrics? But obviously you're drawing from some personal life experience oh, absolutely. here. absolutely. 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah, I really kind of got serious. Like, like I said, I really got serious about every aspect of writing. So, um, you know, having a good intro, um, like what you said about what's left of me, you know, having this like this intro that's going to grab you and, and like kind of pull you in. Um, so many people have told me just even that first chord in what's left of me, like draws them in. And, um, I, I, I love yeah. that. And, uh, you know, so I love that fast skate punk beat. And then, um, you know, like the lyrics yeah. are kind of like, you don't <laughs> actually, uh, my, the guy who owns our label, jumpstart label, uh, jumpstart records, he told me, he was like, you know, you're in your music. You're like kind of the getup kids do this a lot. Like you're telling a story. But the listener doesn't know all the details, so it's kind of vague, but they can also kind of relate to it. Sure. You know what I mean? They can also kind of, you know, yes. you can relate to, yes. like, you know, oh, I, in my darkest hour, I found my power. And, right. you know, um, you can relate to these things. So, you know, that was, I really right. started to focus on melody as well and, and lyrics. Um, I really yeah. wanted, um, if you listen to all five of the songs on Rewrite the Story, I wanted every song to be a song where after hearing it one time, it would get stuck in your head or you would at least know, like yes. remember one part of it. You know what I mean? I wanted them to all to be very catchy yeah. and very like infectious in a way. Um, and I am, I am a very yeah. positive person. Like I'm naturally just kind of look at the bright side, like almost to a, my girlfriend would say like almost to a fault. Like I always expect, I, <laughs> yeah. I can see um, you know, I've worked as a life coach and a motivational speaker and stuff like that. And I feel like I can always see potential in people. Like I can always see that, yeah. you know, and that also can be very frustrating because it's like, oh my God, I can see that you can do this better than what you're doing. Yeah. You know, I also am just always kind of the optimist. I always like to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I always like to have in situations think, oh, you know, this will work out. Somehow it'll work out all my life. Even when things have been really shitty they've eventually worked out. You know what I mean? Like even through my divorce yeah. and like, you know, I was uh, with my ex-wife, you know, and we're, we're all on, on, she and I are both on great terms now. So I don't have any problem talking about this, but like even after 12 years of being together, um, you know, you get divorced and you think, Oh my God, like, you know, even though, you know, that's the best thing for both of you and you both agree that it's the best thing for you. You're in this like, just kind of chasm yeah. of like, how is this going to turn out for the better? You know what I mean? But, just holding that little sure. spark of like, right. I know it will. Sure. I know, even though things are so shitty right now, I know that like, I have hope that things will eventually get better. Um, and, and, you know, now, now yeah. I'm in like a much better place. And, you know, my, through all of that, like focused on my band, I focused on myself and, and really like taking care of myself. And, um, you know, I lived alone for two and a half years and, that was really, I really needed that time and space. But like now I'm in a place where like sure. everything's going really well with my career. Everything's going really well with my band. Me and my girlfriend just moved in together. We have a great relationship. You know what I mean? So, but in the middle of all that, in the, in the midst of all that, it's hard to see, you know what I mean? But, but you, if you can hold, hold on to sure. that like tiny spark of hope that like something is going to get better, then um, I really do think it will. That's, that's how it's been yeah. like, Again, it goes back to that like manifesting thing, and in your mind, like you're you're somehow pulling right, right. this these like things to you, you know. So 
Well, I've always been of the opinion it doesn't do you any benefit to just like focus on the negative anyways in general. Like no matter what your situation is, like I've been uh, very methodical in my past, you know, with like trying situations. Okay, like my first question is how do we fix this? And is this something that I can fix or am I going to need outside outside outside, excuse me, influences or resources uh, to help me achieve this goal? And I think like whenever you can automatically take a self-evaluation and realize what you're capable of handling yourself, that's actually one of your, a very strong suit. You know, it's it's okay to say, you know, I can't carry this burden on yeah. myself. So if you need help, whether that's through friendships or uh, whatever your support system is, or that you need therapy, I mean, like that just can apply to so many different things. I think, too, there's a lot of, I know at least you know, we're close, similar in age, all of us talking today. I think there's definitely like an element, whether it was directly implied or not, like you as young men, you should be able to like grow up and handle your business and, you know, not need help and crying's a weakness and, you know, silly things like that. Right. Uh, but as you get older, you like realize oh, these absolutely. are very real things that, and emotions that people need to go through and uh, to move past certain things as well. There's nothing unnatural absolutely. about them, you know, and it kind of, you know, just this weird, like, conveyance of poster child masculinity, I guess, is uh, kind of what I'm trying to equate to, like what we're always kind of dealing with, like looming over us. And hey, it's first world problems. It is. There's way worse shit out there. But I I agree with you. I think you're right. I think, you know, our generation has, we we were taught, you know, boys don't cry. You know, suck it up. Suck it up. Be tough. Get over it. All these things we've heard when we were kids, especially like growing up in a small town and, you know, you're 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 being raised by uh other men who were raised that way too probably even even worse like right. probably you know there was a little bit more physical definitely type uh, like uh, yeah yeah exactly exactly and, yeah. and now yeah. we've gotten older right. and we've realized that doesn't work that actually creates more problems when you bottle things up yeah. and you don't talk about it you don't talk about it with your friends and we so we definitely. were never and again first word pro- world problems but like we were never taught how to talk about our feelings so here we are a lot of us like 30 35 40 years old just now learning how to how to share our feelings and and you know and and when i was younger it would just come out as anger it just everything would just come out as like like you know somebody would frustrate me and i would just like get mad and 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 you know i didn't know how to be like how to stop take a minute like think about this for a second like you know, it, it wasn't really until right, I started right. kind of practicing mindfulness that I realized, you know, okay, hey, it's okay. There yeah. is so much strength in like talking to people about your feelings and about your problems and like not having to go through it alone. You know, whether that's like right. your significant other or your best friend right. or maybe your parents or a therapist. Like, you know, we have to get in the same way that I was yeah. talking about, you, we were talking about getting goals out, getting your goals out. You have to get your feelings out. Right, right. Otherwise it's, it's trapped yes. inside. You know what I mean? And, and that's that all of yeah. that, all of those experiences that have in all of like the trauma that we've experienced from little kids up to now, 40 years old, all of that, if you don't get it out, it starts to mix like in, in your, in your body, in your, in your body, right. in your, Absolutely. in your spirit, you know, and like we start to cope with it in unhealthy ways. So like, it, it really is true. My mom's a therapist. So like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I studied psychology <laughs> okay. in college and stuff like that. And I've always been really fascinated about like personal growth and spiritual growth and, and like w- learning that these things. And, and for me, music is that, you know, 
music is me getting a lot of those feelings out, you know, 100%. Um, Absolutely. I, I wasn't going to go back and say, uh, cause you asked kind of, you were kind of hitting on like where, uh, cause I'll, I'll bring it back around now. Um, you're asking like where some of the music comes from and we always, I feel like I always write yeah. whenever I'm feeling kind of down, you know, and, or kind of angsty or frustrated. Like that's when okay. like it's easiest mm-hmm. to write. And like the EP was a lot of that, you know, stuff. And like, now we have a new album that that's sure. getting ready to come out. And some of those songs are like much happier. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, I remember um, people were talking about Chris Caraba from Dashboard Confessional. And like the, his first couple albums were very like, he was going, yeah. you could tell the dude was going through a breakup. He was very like frustrated, sad, depressed. Right. And then like, you know, after that, he found all this success and his music, you know, the song hands down is about like going on a really awesome date with this girl. So it's like it's right. it, and that is still a really good song, but it doesn't connect with you as much as of, of the like, you know, your hair right. is every, you know, so if people <laughs> connect with like, you know, the right, stuff right. that's a little bit more, you know, downtrodden and, and kind of feeling down type stuff. So that is where I'm at now as I'm trying sure. to write, you know, songs with that positivity sprinkled in, but that also have that angst and maybe a little bit of like, I'm pissed off yeah. at you, but I'm going to learn to forgive you. And I don't have to right. like, I don't have to love you and I don't have to like be your best friend anymore. But like, I am pissed off at you. You did right. a really bad thing and I'm letting it go. <laughs> and this song is about yeah. for you, yeah. you fucking bitch. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. I mean, just like so much stuff we're hitting on is drumming up stuff for me specifically. But, you know, the the whole contextual, like a lot of what we're talking about is like catharsis, essentially. And whether that's, you know, writing stuff down in a book, making music about it, talking to a therapist, like just having it out in the universe just does so much. And people don't realize it. I mean, like, I mean, oddly enough having this podcast and I get rewarded with conversations like we're having right now. Absolutely. Uh, real conversations with people like that does a lot for me personally and my mental health too, you know? So it's just, it can, it just depends on you. Right. right. Like, so like whatever works for you, don't let anybody tell you that what works for you is wrong Absolutely. because it's, that's not the case either. Now, if you're Jeffrey Dahmer and you're out like serial killing yeah, people, that's a different story. Right? Other people, so. <laughs> that, that's well, maybe the line, but yeah. Like yeah. if you know, so we kind of hit on Wes kind of some of what the lyric crafting's about and some of the inspirations that you had. Let's move into, cause I don't want to, you know, you, you're being very generous with your time and I want to talk about some oh, other sure. stuff that you have going on too. Let's talk about three, one, four punk. How did that start? Yeah. What you, wh- how did your involvement start? Is that something that you started? Is there a mission statement? Like let's just kind of talk yes. about the inception of that. It is something that I started, you know, Honestly, it's been two about two and a half years now. So uh, that I started that I started it. Well, you guys probably remember STL Punk. Yes, oh, yeah, one hundred percent. STLPunk.com. So, so like w- when I first started put, putting out music in twenty twenty one, I put out a video and and what's left. Uh, I put out a what's left of me and a video for it. And I thought, um, you know, I was getting a lot of like podcast offers. I was working with a publicist over in France at the time named Valentine, 
and she she really helped me out a lot. She got we we were getting on a ton of playlists. We we were getting like within two months, I think we had six thousand streams on this song. Like it, it so it, it went pretty quick. And I mean, it's a good song in its own right, you know. But but you can have really good music, and this is another thing that I that I see uh, like bands do is like you can have really good music, but if you don't have a plan and a strategy of how you're going to get it out to people, it doesn't really matter. There's really, right. really good bands in St. Louis and um, in other places that I've been, like Kansas City, Chicago. But like they, you know, they they make good really they're really good at making music, but they're not very good at marketing their music. Yes, and um, yeah, I would say that's something that I am better at than the average person. <laughs> yeah. You know, than the average band maybe. Um, I'm probably a better marketer than I am a musician. You know what I mean? So I know I really know how to like market my stuff. Uh, so I, I thought about I was getting a lot of play in like a lot of underground pop punk stuff, like playlists. I was getting on like a lot of blogs and, you know, kind of on the, the underground pop punk scene. But right. like people in St. Louis, even though I'm from here and like I, you know, I played shows here and I've been in bands here, people in St. Louis still did not know like even that I had a song out and that it was get that I had all yeah. the streams and anything like that. So I was, I was kind of thinking about like, what are the ways to get your music out? Like, you know, I'm, I'm right. getting this almost like global, like recognitions where, you know, but like, how, how can I get my music out to like just people in my own hometown? And there was nothing. There was literally, I mean, right. I don't know how long you guys have been doing this, but this is back in 2021. There was literally right. like no Instagram account. There was no Twitter account. There, there, you know, right. there, there, the RFT sometimes does like features on, right. the, but not like there's not like a weekly thing or anything like that. And I thought, yeah. well, you know, why? They, how hard would it be to just start an Instagram account, and and I can promote other bands on it, and I, you know, of course, I'll promote my band on it because I'm a part of the sure. music scene as well. And we don't have. If I am wanting something like this, then I'm sure that other people in other bands are are Definitely. wishing that there was probably something like this. So, how hard is it to start, you know, and an, an Instagram account and just start like reaching out to my and my friends' bands and like putting them on there? And I, and honestly, at first, I didn't want people to know who it was because I wanted it to be kind of like a faceless yeah. thing. I didn't want people, you know, because I feel like people might think, oh, well, he's always just like promoting himself. And, sure. and I'm, I, I'm not. But now I, I, I'm, right. I'm not afraid to admit that, like, it is a platform that I created. And if I want to promote my stuff on it, I have every right to do that. And, I, and sure. you know, and I've, if you look at the number sure. of posts that we've done you know, the ratio of like Wes Hoffman posts to not Wes Hoffman posts is very like, it would be like one to 30 or I don't know, you know, it would be very low. So like, yeah. Uh, yeah. but you know, I really wanted to promote uh, bands and, and I feel like we needed something like that, that uh, a central place where everybody centralized place where you could go to Definitely. see what's happening in the St. Louis scene. So then last year I started, um, started having bands hit me up from out of town that were like, Hey, we're coming through. Can you book us a show? And, you know, I've always, I also I worked with Joey, uh, O'Farrell way back in yeah. the day when I was in my early twenties, as well as like Justin Mank, who was a very big uh, instrumental in like bringing many, many bands, um, to St. Louis back in the day. And he, yeah. he taught me how to book shows and how to run them as a promoter. So 
I've always known, and you know, even going back to earlier in our conversation, you know, I'm booking shows at the barn in Vandalia. Like I've, I've been doing this like most of my life. So I started booking shows, you know, we had some really good shows here. We had some like not so good shows, but, um, I ended up making some really good connections through that. Um, and you know, it, it just got to a point where it became overwhelming this year of like, yeah, just everybody wants their stuff promoted. Everybody wants to be on a show. All the bands from sure. out of town, like, you know, we kind of got a name of, you know, hey, if you want to play a show in St. Louis, reach out to Wes at 314 Punk. He'll make it happen, you know? And I just, I'm, I'm 40 years old and I just could not be out at the sinkhole until 11 o'clock on a Tuesday night, you know, and be doing right. that multiple nights a week and touring right. and having a full-time job right. and like, right. you know, and it's kind of like, at this, at what point am I, you know, wearing myself too thin, doing these things for other people that like, um, Understand. you know, so, sometimes you guys, you guys, uh, know how much work goes into a podcast. We, we, I was doing oh, a yeah. four punk podcast as well. You, know, you guys know how much work goes into this. Like, and sometimes people don't, people that haven't done it don't understand how much work goes into it, you know? And so right. there's not always, uh, that gratitude or that appreciation for what you're doing. You know what I mean? Right. And, and that's kind of like, Absolutely. not there. It's like, okay, why am I doing this? Like, I don't even feel like people care. <laughs> sure. You know? Um, sure. So, so it got, sure. it got really, I mean, you know, it just got, it just got, there's a lot of people difficult. that do podcasts and can do podcasts too. Like it's, it is difficult if you want to do it right. Right. I, I've I've heard people's podcasts out there that I'm just like, you know, I, that's not something I would put out. I mean, fine if that if you're satisfied with that, but people that are like apprehensive about doing a podcast sometimes just because they they might have a band and they're not like maybe social enough, you know, probably a little bit more of an introvert where they don't think that they can do a podcast or whatever. You know, I always tell them like, this is good bar talk. You right, know, like right. we're not like slurring over sure, our words sure. bar talk, but you know, like meaningful, like whenever you find that random guy at the bar, that's like maybe playing something on the jukebox. You're like, Hey man, I like this band too. And they're like, Oh yeah, they're awesome. I saw them at such and such date. Oh yeah. Did you, well, do you like these guys? And then you get down right. that rabbit hole of conversation. That's kind of like what I equate to this, this podcast too, oh, in absolutely. many respects. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And, and even my podcast, man, I'm, I will say this, like, I don't, I don't have fancy microphones. I do my, I have a lot, that's it. You know, um, I don't sure. really put a lot into, I do some editing and stuff like that, but I don't really put a lot into like, I, I'm more about the content than I am about the production. You know what I mean? Like I got gotcha. people really like yeah. it. They will listen to like, basically sure. it's me talking to my friends on a zoom call. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but I, I, I will, you know, I think St. Louis needs uh, what what I could well kind of say going back to three one four punk. Like, I think we need more people to do things like that. You know, there's Definitely. there's not very much like there's not very many people that are trying to just like champion the scene and promote the whole scene. There's a lot right. of people that are promoting their own bands, and that's what you do. I get that, but like, right, there's right. not very many people that are that are taking it upon themselves to say. I want to promote the whole scene. I'm not going to be like biased towards who I promote. I'm going to promote Definitely. everybody. I'm going to tell everybody to go to everyone's to all the shows, not just one. You know what I mean? And, and we were very um, through and four punk is very specific about punk and hardcore and like emo and ska. You know the alternative right, right. side of 
like the music scene. Um, you know, I'm not really going to yeah. get into like Americana and like, you know, some of those other sure. scenes that, that are happening. Sure. But, but I think that, you know, and I, I, I have to say that starting that project, even though now I'm not booked, I'm still am doing booking shows. I have, I booked one on last Sunday night and that was, um, it was very well attended. I'm, I'm was very happy with that. And then like, I have a couple others throughout the end of the year. Um, you know, I have a couple in August that I've booked for some friends. Yeah. And then I have like a couple, I think my last one's in October. So like, you know, I still yeah. have fans that are reaching out to me that I'll book, you know, that I'll, I'll, I'll because I'm just that kind of guy. I'm like, you know, I look at it, sure. I look at it like this, like I'm a touring musician. I, you know, we play more shows outside of St. Louis than we do inside of St. Louis. And when you're trying to book a show in, Jacksonville, Florida, which I just booked a show there. It was very difficult. Many, many venues reached out to, reached out to, um, you know, I don't know anybody there. So, so sure. like, so I, I don't know anybody there. Right. I maybe know a band there, you know, um, right, I right. maybe know one band there. And so I reached out to them and they were like, yeah, well, we might be breaking up. So like, we're not going to play, you know, but he gave me the ba- name to a bunch of venues. I reached out to all of them. I followed up. I was persistent, you know, over the course of a week. Yeah. I finally got one of them to like reach back out to me and, and just today say, yeah, we have that date available. Like I'll hold it for you. And they were even saying like, you know, that's kind of far out. I don't book that far out. And I had to kind of be like, okay, well we're coming from St. Louis. So like we, we want to book this now. Sure. Like, you know, that's like, right. This is a part of a run. This is part of a whole run. So like, right. Um, but what would be really helpful is, like, I want to be that guy in St. Louis that's like, you know, if if I'm helping out a band in New York or Philadelphia or Jacksonville, right. that when right. I need help, you have this network of of people yes. that you say, hey, we need a show. And and that's yes. uh, that that has been awesome because there have been those bands like now the first three and four punk show that we booked. I am now going to go on tour with that band that that came up and, and played here. So, you know what I mean? Like. That it's it's That's a great awesome. way to make connections, um, and it's a great way to kind yeah. of like serve your community by putting on these shows. But it also takes yeah. a lot of work, and, and it's very physically and mentally um, taxing. So, <laughs> yes, sir, um, I understand it totally. But but you know now now we're at a point. You know I'm at a point with my band that like you know it it really has grown to the point where like I I can't put as much time and effort into three one four punk as as I would like to. I sure. I really just can't. So. You know, right now I'm kind of just like sharing out stuff as I see it, you know, trying right. to promote yeah. some, my friends' bands and um, some of the bands that are coming through. Like, uh, you know, it, it, people still hit me up all the time. I get um, I get hit up, you know, as, hey, can you help us book the show? And I'll say, hey, maybe reach out to Platypus and the Sinkhole and the record space. And like, yeah. you know, I, I'll, I can point you in the right direction, but I don't have to do everything for you. You know what I mean? Um, right, right, and that right. even still goes definitely. a long way with people. And um, it does, you know, it definitely does. Now we're getting to a point where um, some of the places like Chicago and Kansas city, um, you know, that now, now are kind of like our second homes where we've played there like multiple times at first, those were hard yeah. to get into, you know what I mean? Um, Chicago took yeah. a couple times before we like, we got a good show there. And then, then after you get one, you're like, uh, you know, it's the same with podcasting. Like after you kind of do it, you get better right. at it. But then you're like, oh, hey, well, we've played there one one time before. And that alone gets you right. a little bit of clout of like, okay, you guys have been here. So like maybe yeah. you'll bring 10 people, you know. Um, and, and then when you right. go other places, you kind of people know your name a little bit more and it gets out there. It's, 
but at first it's really yeah. hard. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. You got to start somewhere. Uh, I know that I, uh, did you start three, one, four punk about the like COVID times? Is that about right? Time 2021. Yep. I think, you know, more specifically to hammer down on what I saw you doing and what allured me to you to begin with was like singles of the week and oh, okay. uh, upcoming shows, those type yeah. of posts. And I think I shared some of those and then you hit me back. Oh, yeah. like, Hey, thanks for the share. And I'm like, absolutely. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I kind of shared some of the stuff that you had going at the time pretty fluidly and repeatedly. And uh, there was bands on there like that I was familiar with or was friends with or knew people in the band or was going to be on the podcast. Eventually, I knew people like Fister, Direct Measure, I saw like on your list as well. Yeah. So I say all this to say that uh, is the fact that the name, the reason that you kind of started out and you wanted to be kind of like nameless and faceless, I think you did a good job of it because I had no clue like, Wes Hoffman was 314 oh, thanks, Punk man. and all that stuff at the time. And that didn't really come out until we had some like correspondence back and forth. And then eventually you said, you know, hey, this is me and this is the music I want to do if you ever need a guest, you know. And it, was, it wasn't it was a matter of like shoving yourself down my throat. It was just like, hey, if, if you need help, you know, I've done these things and, yeah. and I'll be happy to talk on your show, which I appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And, oh, dude, you know, I've said this before because I've been on both sides of it. You know, I... I have a podcast right. where I've interviewed bands and even, even I don't know if you listen to the, the, for what it's worth and heard a little bit more about my history and podcasting, but like, you know, we've done warp yeah. tour and music podcasts and we've talked to like store of the year and Hawthorne Heights and every time I die and, you know, all kinds of like re way bigger bands doing the work that you guys are doing and that they, that the work that we've done, like where you're, you're talking to bands and you're promoting them. That is just important as the music. Like, it's just a different form and a different outlet of creativity. And it's just as important. And I, a lot of times I feel like the attitude of bands is, oh, well, these these podcasters and these music, media outlets should just, they should just promote my stuff. Like, almost kind of this sense of entitlement and no appreciation for, right, like, right. you know, and, and, I, and I hear other, this isn't just me saying this, I've heard other publicists and people say, like, you know, oh, yeah, bands just, right. like, I'll get them on this big-ass playlist with, you know, 70,000 followers and like they don't even say thank you you know and and i think that the work right. the work that you know being a musician and making music and recording it and putting it out is just one part of the music industry you know we need 100%. podcasters we need playlisters we need publicists we need producers and photographers and graphic designers and they're all just important to just as important to the, the product and the thing as the thing 100 you know what i mean it's all I it agree. all comes together like it's it's all the bigger picture of it and like you know i think anytime people you know i have a, i have an excel spreadsheet of like media outlets that i that i've like reached out to and that, that i've talked to and like every time somebody has me on on a show like i will share if you're if you're sharing my music and you tag me in it it's getting reshared like it, it, probably if you don't tag right. me in it and I find out about it, I'll still even reshare it because I appreciate the fact that right. you're sharing my music. That's like the most, sure. that's the best thing you can do for a band, right. for a band is share their music. You, you guys are literally like giving musicians a platform here. And like, that's literally one of right. the best things that you can do for a musician is help them get their voice heard. And, you know, it's yeah. like, it's, it becomes, um, you know, and again, like, uh, this isn't this is this is my perspective, but this is also like I've I've heard this from many other people that are in the business. It's a very thankless job promoting other people's stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, I I one hundred percent. It is definitely a thing. 
And I kind of two two follow up comments on the subject matter, and that is a whenever I was you know in a band and playing like I would have loved anybody to talk about my oh, band yeah. period, let alone have me on a podcast. Yeah, I'd have been uh, super you know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, or play my music or feature a clip of my music or reshare it on social media. Like you know, we kind of came up in the right at the tail end of the GTP days and then into STL Punk you mentioned earlier, then like MySpace, like the infancy of MySpace and the launch of MySpace and the the music feature of that where you could, you know, add people's songs to your profile. And then that was kind of a promotional tool for bands to in the past. And, you know, like it's become so easy nowadays to promote people's stuff too. Like, it's such a, it, it seem it may seem like such a small gesture, but it, it really goes a long way. Like I know that there's like, I'm a big fan of like improv comedians and well, very, varying types of comedians, quite frankly. But if I find like a good comedian that I like, or like a good drum reel that I like, like I will share that. Sure. And sure. I, maybe somebody else will like that. Or I, I just think that this person's ultra talented and other people should see it and enjoy it. That's why I like, and so I try to so do much. that. Like, I really yeah. think the story aspect of social media is so cool because it seems to be like more creative. Yes. You know I what agree. I mean? I do too. Yeah. And, and there's people that just sit there on that. It's almost like a doom scroll type phenomenon, although it's slightly different is they will just like go through stories and watch people's stories. That's the majority of what I do on me, social no, media. Me too. I'm not even going to lie. And, and, and I like <laughs> stories because, you know, it, it, like like you guys shared, you know, that I was going to be on the podcast tonight. And I shared it on my personal page, the For What It's Worth With West page, the 3145. I shared it on all of them. And and like, it's going to go, it, it goes away in 24 hours, you know? So if it, if it bothers somebody, sure. they're like, oh my God, he's posting about this, like, you know, then come back tomorrow. It'll be, it'll be gone. You know, don't worry about it. Clean you know, slate, and, and, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and when, when we release, when I've released music on release day, you know, especially for big release, when you do like a video or something like that, and I know that it's going to be out. I know that like multiple outlets are going to be sharing it. I will take that day off work or, or the day or something. And I will share everything that, that has, that it, it, I'm tagged in every article, every post, every story, and I'll save it as a highlight. And because I don't want like it, it doesn't matter to me if people are annoyed that like oh, he put up 50 stories today. Like like what's this dude doing? I don't yeah. care. I want to look back at that and see like these are all the people yeah. that like shared it and like th- you know, this is what happened yeah. on that on that day that we released it. Like I want to see that, you know. Yeah. Um, or like when we play shows, like I reshare it anytime somebody takes a video of us playing a show, like I always reshare it because like, I think that's cool. And I want those clips for myself. So it's not always for, you know, I'm not always everybody else for everybody else. Like I'm sharing this because I like it. I want to see it. It's almost kind of like my little like digital scrapbook kind of type thing, you know? Absolutely. No, I agree with that 100%. The other comment I was going to make is what's oddly going on in the podcast industry and it's a part of like what kind of like kills some local music scenes. And that's like pay to play type oh, yeah. stuff right? where like people want you to like pay to have a band on your show or something. It's like, we're promoting the band. Like if any, right. if any money's changing hands, like technically we, we, we should, should, we should not that I'm of the opinion. Right. That yeah. We don't do that. We're not about know? that, but yeah. yeah, we definitely do everything for free, but it's like, it just seems like a kind of a backwards concept, you know? And some of that goes on too, which is like ultra bizarre to me. Like, that that's even acceptable it's just it's a, it's a little off-putting it almost kind of discourages you in a way too to know that that's yeah a thing. I, i'm definitely not big on um like i'm definitely not big on shows that are like that that 
have the bands sell their tickets and it's like, Hey, you have to sell a certain amount of tickets right. to like play this show right. or make any money back. Um, I'm more right, right. like, I haven't played one of those shows in a very long time. And, and I, I have actually turned a couple of those down like recently because I, I definitely have much better luck just promoting the show, telling as many people I can right. as I can about the show and and having them come and and you know then like we've been really lucky that we've had like especially at home we've had like great turnouts over the last like yeah. couple of years i i i i kind of understand where like um where it can get into hey you have this podcast you're putting out episodes every week you're really busy i want to get on your calendar like you know here's 50 bucks would you would you you guys are putting work into it like would you be willing to like yeah if i, if I paid you for your time would you put me on your platform like you know i kind of I yeah like there's some bigger podcasts that if if it was like if it was sure. uh, if there was a cost to get on the lead singer syndrome with shane told or to get on one of these bigger podcasts like i might be right. willing to pay it if, if it's like you know uh right so so we do you know, I, I think that's something that like, I, I do agree with the pay to play thing. Like, I don't think that's, that's right. I think that like, I, I'm, I'm really big on like, this is music is a business. Um, you know, I, Definitely. I want to get paid when I'm playing shows, especially if it gets to the point where like, um, you know, Hey, if, if every time we play in St. Louis, we're guaranteed to pull a hundred people into your venue, like we deserve to get paid something, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, I'm not just going to walk away and, and be like, oh, well, you know, the show costs 10 yeah. bucks. Like, you know, there's a hundred people here. Like, where's that right. money going? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so right, I, right. like, and, and we have things to pay for. We tour. It costs money to rent a van. Definitely. It costs money to uh, put gas in the van. It costs money to stay at, at places, you know, merch, merch, merch costs money. Like, yeah. and so, uh, physical this, media. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> you're paying all those up for sure costs. for sure and you know those things all cost money and and um so it, it always just feels like the band is the last one that people think about to like pay that that music is so devalued right. now you know you think about spotify and like spotify right. is a great discovery tool for music but yeah it's a marketing exactly tool. That's what i always told people zero zero three cents for every stream that you that, that you have you know sure but it's like i mean at the same time it's great and like they don't have to you know they could reject you and not put your music on their platform but you know i, I kind of i understand both sides of it but like sure. um i don't know i mean if if somebody was like hey wes it's five hundred dollars to like get this to to, to get your music played to a million people and we will guarantee you that they will all yeah. that these million people will listen to this song i mean the possibility of that outweighs like yeah. you know what i mean out of a million people yeah. let's say like a small percentage 10 percent, right. you know like the music i sure. like that still might be worth it you know what i mean so those types of things um you know right. there is there are a lot of gray areas in music in like the music business right now especially with like playlisting you know what i mean like now there's these services that are like, hey, yeah. you pay fifteen dollars a month, and you can, um, you know, submit your music to different playlisters. And if you pay a little extra, like, you know, you can submit it to like these more elite playlisters, and we'll guarantee that they'll listen to you to yeah. it and give you feedback within forty eight hours. You know, and and so there's there's a lot of stuff like yeah. that that's a little gray. Um, and I've tried some of that, and I think it's really cool. You know, I've gotten a lot of like 
listeners through that. I don't, but then there's yeah. other times where I'm kind of like, oh, you know, maybe I paid for this thing and it really didn't like give me a good return or it's really, it's, there, yeah. it's, there's a lot of like the music industry is very unregulated. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of weird things that kind of yeah, happen. And it is. Um, so you really have to be smart Definitely. about the like what you're doing. And I think it's okay to try stuff and be like, okay, I tried this and, you know, maybe it was $50 and it didn't work out. Right. And, and, you know, I'm not going to do that again. Luckily, right, right, right. I, you know, I, I've, I've been doing this for like kind of a while. And um, there's certain things that I'm just kind of like, you know, like I, I, I just won't play like a pay to play yeah. show. You know what I mean? Like, like if, if somebody's right, like, right, right. you know, hey, we, yeah, we want like, your- once we get our age, we've done it enough. You know, it's like uh, right. when you're 18, you just like look for an opportunity to play a show. Like you don't give a shit that you had to fill up the gas tank to go out to play a show. Like, you know, it's it's different times and different inspirations. And but like, you know, you should be like even then we tried to seek out like being reimbursed for gas. Oh, basically, to, like drive like 100 miles As or whatever for a show, you know, I think it's pretty reasonable, but. You know, as you get older, it's like, you know, you have to kind of pick your spots, too. It's like, you know, you have life outside of playing music, just as you detailed. You know, you got a big boy job. You're trying to promote other people's shows. You've got your own stuff to play, record, so on and so forth. So, you know, you really just kind of have to, like, pick your spots and your opportunities, too. And and I also think there's a lot, especially when it comes to touring, you know, uh, you have to invest a lot in your own band to 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 do to tour a lot of times like yeah. going up to chicago you know like i remember our, our first our first little tour that we did like our first little like weekender we played a show in in st louis we played a show in wichita and a show in like lawrence kansas and um our guitar player we were just going to go out to wichita play one show and come home and he was like doesn't it make more sense to do two shows if you're going to drive that far than than to just do one and i was like yeah yeah I, you've actually got kind of a point right. we're gonna go that far we should probably do two shows so so like you have to think about those kinds of things like um and 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 definitely a lot of like touring is is expensive especially if you're renting a van or if you buy a van that's a, that's like another thing a reliable van <laughs> you know like i could go right, out and right. buy a definitely. van there's right. a difference. I can go out and buy a van for five <laughs> grand right now, but who knows if it's even going to give me the gig. But like, um, you know, you have to right. do a lot of that, right. like, kind of investing in yourself up front, and that's a hard thing for a lot of bands. It's like, you know, you might go play a, sh- you might drive six and a half hours to go play a show, and there might only be ten people there, and right. you might not get paid very much money. Right. But like, you know, but we right. we've also had those experiences, and and I've learned from them, like, okay. I don't want to drive all the way up to Toledo, Ohio and have there be 15 people there. How can I keep this from happening next time right. we come back? Like, do we just not go to Toledo or we go to right. a different city? Do we try to get better locals on the bill in that situation? That different Right, right. Venue. Different venue, that particular situation. The yeah. promoter didn't promote it and get locals on it with enough time for them to promote. So now... Right. I handpick all the locals that 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 are on the tours that we go on. Like for the most part, you know, I ask for recommendations, but I look. Do yeah. they have a good social media following? Do they have a good Spotify listenership? Like, does uh, in their photos are there people yep. at the shows? Those are all good indicators on whether or not yes. that local is going to like draw and the, like if they sound similar to what you look like. So yeah, it's a little bit of extra work on my end, but the shows are a lot better. <laughs> like the shows are a lot yeah, better right. and i know yeah, now absolutely. i know when i go to chicago when i go to kansas city like when i go to philadelphia i know that those shows are going to be good because like you know we took 
we learn from the bad experiences. But my whole point in saying that is a lot of Definitely. bands don't want to go through that. They don't want to take that risk, you know? So, and it, and it, and it happens. Sure. I think there's an element too of like what we're talking about today that there's people that don't like even think about these things though, too, you know, and they don't realize the investment in becoming a band, especially if you have these goals, these aspirations, you know, it takes people like you who's been around the scene to kind of give these, you know, nuggets of truth and, um, you know, wisdom too. And I, I don't think that, you know, and I could say this emphatically, you know, when I was 17, started playing my own music with people, you know, I didn't think like, how do I get people to come to a show that I'm going to go play in Champaign, Illinois? Like I was just, I was very short-sighted in the sense that I was like, I'm just worried about getting these songs down, getting the set list, you know, time in the set list. You know, if the promoter says you got 30 minutes, I want to be done in 29. So we can say, hey, this is us. This is where you can follow us. You know, give us enough time to talk to the people, get them to know us as well. You know, those were the like the, the things that I was thinking about it. But, you know, again, have to assess what your goals are, uh, right. what your ambitions absolutely. are. Too. Absolutely. And and I think one of the biggest things for me in music was, it, it, especially recently, has been just confidence. Like. I think my songs are good. I listen to them. Be- it, like I don't listen to them all the time any anymore. But like when that EP came out, I listen to those songs every day. Like sometimes multiple times a day because I think they're good. It's the kind of music that I want to listen to. It's that it's that pop punk that like really scratches that sure. itch for me. When I really started believing in the in these songs and thinking, okay, these are really good songs. I wasn't. I got over the fear of asking people to listen and asking people to come to my shows. I started just texting people and be like, "Hey, like, will you come to this show? Like, I, I would love to see you there. Like, you know, the tickets are ten dollars. Like, you know, I'll even send them a link to a ticket if they yeah. say they want to come. Like, I'm not afraid to do that. And if and if if anybody's like, you know, especially if if these are my friends, like, they're gonna either say, "Yeah, I want to come," or "No, I can't make it." I've never had anybody be like, "Hey." stop texting me about your music you know what i mean like yeah (laughs) i've never had anybody anybody do that because i always do it in a very like genuine and kind way but i think a lot i've talked to bands before and they've said oh i don't want to do that i'm not i don't like i there's bands that i've talked to that say i still feel weird about asking people to come to my shows and i'm like okay well then nobody's gonna come people aren't gonna come like you have to get over yeah. that. You have, yeah. or there's people that are like they they're like Definitely. too cool to like ask about, uh, ask people to come. And I'm like, you have to get over right. these like little ego right. things that like you know if you're afraid that someone's going to look right. at you as a, a, like you know think that you're not cool because you're asking that you're promoting your show, like <laughs> you know I mean you got you got right. bigger problems than you know than like like but but that's how you get people right. out is like right. I I think that that anybody who comes to our show will have a good time. And like, who, who doesn't want to have a good time? You yeah. know, like I can guarantee you, you'll have fun. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so that's, that's a big, you know, and, and I have fun at our shows and I know other people have fun at our shows. So like, I want people to come. So I'm not sure. afraid to tell people to come to the shows. And like some people might, that might be a turnoff yeah. for them of like, oh my God, he's always promoting something with his band. But like, you know, I feel like that's how you <laughs> get out that, you know. It's gotten me to where Definitely. I am now, so which is farther than where I was, you know, yeah. a couple of years ago. So, <laughs> and I think that I, again, you're just like giving all kinds of good advice to people that are going to be out there inspiring, you know, folks to actually go out and do their own thing. Want to make the point too? Obviously, 
to have a good time at a show you like you should you should as it being your music have a good time and i think that becomes quite infectious and you know i've seen some videos of your live performance and it looks like you're just having an absolute fucking blast out there yeah which is definitely alluring i think you know even people passerby see that it's going to draw people to come out to your shows as well i think the crowd definitely will draw off the performer if you bring that energy i feel like the crowd will return that energy yeah, there's a, there's definitely a little payback back and forth. Wes, uh, again, I know like we're probably running a little long on the tooth for you. I know you got other things oh, to no, do outside good. of talking. I'm enjoying the conversation. Uh, good, good. I'm glad to hear it. I wanted to talk about your podcast. We've sure. mentioned it a few different times that you've uh, just launched. I think you got two episodes Third out right on now. Is way, that right? Yeah. Third one's awesome. on its way. And that's called For What, yeah. for what It's Worth with Wes mm-hmm. Hoffman, right? And people can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast, pretty much any, Spotify anywhere you, yep, the anywhere usual suspects. Podcasts, yep. Yeah, so I started that. I've been podcasting for nine years, like off and on. And like, um, I you know, I first had the Strange House with with my friend who was part owner of Strange Donuts, and then he he left Strange Donuts, but we still kept the name. Okay, and that was the one that we we went to a ton of music festivals, and um, we talked to so many bands, um, you know, new and old bands. I mean, that's MXPX, yeah. um, Bayside. Uh, state champs, neck mm-hmm. deep, knuckle puck, real friends. Like I mean, pretty much, almost any. We talked to Knock loose, yeah. Right? Um, so so many oh, bands baby. that, yeah, so many bands <laughs> that are kind of like on the come up right now, but also bands like Less Than Jake, bands that have really oh, nice. like been around for a long time, kind of like those legacy acts. And so that that sure. was we did that together for a really long time, and then I I kind of branched off and and had my own podcast to kind of support my my business at the time as like a marketing tool to kind of connect with people but also like kind of you know just create content as well as kind of like a little bit of a hey you know listen to my podcast and if you need help finding a job i can help you with that too kind of type thing and then i i kind of rebranded that for a little while it was called west hoffman with friends and and i really I, you know i stopped then i did was doing the 314 punk thing for like a year and a half the podcast for three and four punk was really taking up a lot of time that between that and the booking and trying to put an episode out every week, sometimes, you know, every, you know, twice a week or, or just like once a month, I was like, you know, this is really getting like kind of cumbersome. And I'm, I'm finding myself like, you know, at the end of the day, just not being excited about it as much. Um, but I, I am. Yeah. Yeah. And sure. And, but I, I just kind of had the idea of like, I still really want to do a podcast, but you know, I, I had people that maybe reached out to me that were not from St. Louis. And I was like, well, maybe it doesn't really make sense to have this, you know, Belvedere from Canada on 314 Punk podcast. Like the audience is much bigger than just St. Louis that want to hear about Belvedere or a Wilhelm scream or 10 foot full, 10 foot pole or like those types of bands. So there were a lot of bands that I have met along the way that I'm like, oh, I, I would really like an avenue to like, talk to them and talk to some of the bands that we've toured with, like stay the course, bad planning, tired radio, uh, you vandal, like to talk to some of these bands, um, about that, about what they're doing and, and what they're up to. So, um, you know, and it's also a great networking tool as well. Like, um, you know, you get to know, I mean, after how long have we been talking for, for sure. a little over an hour and a half, like you talk to somebody this long, you get to know them, you know, if I ever see you guys in person, yeah. like, I've, I've, there's, we've already broken the ice. So having people on, uh, you know, like having, having different bands on and giving them a platform and saying, Hey, you know, do you want to be on my, on my podcast? Like 
you get to know them and that, you know, maybe you can help them book a show or maybe when they come to town, we'll get to play with them. Or, you know, maybe when we're out their way, they'll play a show with us. Like just kind of, you know, using it almost as a tool to like build relationships with people. 100%. 100%. And like, I've actually become like really good friends with people through the podcast too, which has been a nice plus, you know, because dad life, I don't get to get out as much as I'd like to, yeah. you know? And uh, I miss that kind of social aspect of, you know, going out and, two shows and meeting people, meeting bands, that sort of thing, playing with other bands and that. And so this kind of scratches that itch a little bit for me, for sure. Yeah. And I can definitely see that kind of conveying through your podcast, even though it seems like, you know, at least so far, it's mostly people that you have a familiarity with or or you've toured with. I think the first episode might've been, with Belvedere, uh, that, if I remember the correctly, is, episode, that, is but, that correct? Or uh, the first one was, was, was first with a band uh, from State of Course called, from Wichita, Kansas, that uh, uh, we, we've toured with a couple of times now. Yeah, they're really good friends of okay. ours. And, okay. and um, yeah, they're, they're one of those bands that they were actually the band that asked us if we wanted to go like on our first weekender with them. They were like, hey, you know, we found they found us through uh, unsigned pop punk. And they were like, hey, you know, we're playing a show in St. Louis you guys want to play? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then he was like, you know what, man, like your music's really good. You guys want to come play with us in Wichita too. And and I was like, sure. And he was like, you want to do the whole weekender? And we're like, okay. You know, and, and with them, it was like literally a, you know, they <laughs> yeah. were those types of the people that like, and I, and I have experienced this a few times in my life that you just meet somebody and you don't even have to like, try to build a relationship or like you don't have to kind of like mince words there's no small talk it's almost just like this instant like okay we're best friends like you just kind of don't have to try at all you don't have to hide yeah, any right. part of yourself or like you know act a certain way um and that's how how it is with us with everybody in my band and state right. of course um you know we're all just really good friends and and if we could do everything together, we probably would. <laughs> but yeah, you can't. We can't play right. every show with Sam, <laughs> right. of course. But like, uh, we love those guys. So yeah, we. I've had a few of those instances over in in my life playing music or whatever the case is, and it's hard to come by in life. But when whenever you do, man, it's just like you know, these are the things that I look forward to. And whenever you have those instant chemistries with people and so on, it's hard to put a value it on it, with it, it without question. Wes, I want to delve into the portion of the program where we kind of ask our guests at times some random questions, some related to what their endeavors are and some outside of the box to kind of uh, help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. Uh, I promise we won't be brutal on you. I want to start by asking you if you could travel back in time, when, where, and why? Uh, I feel like if I could go back in time, I would want to be the age that I am, but I would want to go back to like the early 90s and like, like 1994. I think like, you know, that's the year that punk broke with like uh, Green Day and the Offspring and like all these bigger bands that were really breaking into like yeah. the mainstream. And I was 11 years old at the time. And so I was like, I, I wish I could go, I wish I would have been like, 18 or 19 or 20 you know what i mean i I wish that i really would have kind of been just a little bit older to kind of like experience that a little bit better and i would totally would have started a band and like you know tried to kind of you know ride that wave a little bit (laughs) yeah a little little bit more too so but you know honestly definitely as fucked up as the world seems now this is still the biggest this is still like the most convenient time that we live in you know what i mean like we have shelter we have the internet we have everybody has like I can literally like get a pizza delivered at my door in like 20 minutes just by like tapping on my phone a few times. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
Like my wife and her Pacifica has a Domino's app on the it's on the wild, car play man. screen now. It's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we do live in the age of convenience. It is entirely different, and I think people have become so accustomed to it they wouldn't know how to operate otherwise. Speaking of pizza, I got to ask you: Does pineapple I go on pizza? Pineapple on pizza, yes. Uh, oh, dude, you're my brother. You are my brother. We're, we're we differ. No. We, we differ, boys. Yeah. We differ. Like one of my favorite things to do is get something really spicy and then throw some pineapple. I on can it, see that on pizza, yeah. like, like jalapeno, the spicy, sweet jalapeno yeah. aspect. I can see that. Well, well, I can drink pineapple or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that used to be, especially when I was vegetarian, that was my go-to all the time. I was vegetarian for seven years, and that, that was my pizza <laughs> toppings of choice. Pizza, or, uh, Jalapeno pineapple. and pineapple. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, 100%. We're going to get you in the feels right now, Wes. Uh, what's, a, what's a go-to song for you to throw on to Ugly Cry to? There is a song by The Lone Bellow. So there, neither of these are punk rock songs. There's a song the by this band Bellow. called The Lone Bellow. That I heard on the day that I moved out, a friend of mine shared it on Instagram, and I listened to it. And I heard it on the day that I moved out from of my house when me and my wife separated. And I can turn on that song at any moment of the day and like uh, start bawling. And then there was another song I won't listen to it when I was going through the divorce and everything, and like the emotions were still really like high. Chris Cresswell from the Flatliners, you know that band, but he has a solo song, and I think it's just called. Uh-huh. I think it's just called "Sorry" or "Feel" or something like. It's a one word, and I can't. Li- I will not listen to that song. Like it just, it just. I can't. I, I, I listened to it like a couple summers ago, and it, it just started bawling, and I like. I'm like, I can't listen to this anymore. So yeah, so there's there's two for you. I've got a few, man. I know. I... Well, here's that song now for you. <laughs> Let's cue that up. Yeah. All right. Here's another one for you. Maybe on the little bit lighter side of things. What's the greatest gift that you've ever received, Wes? What would you say is the greatest gift that you've ever received? You know, man, I, I that's a tough one. You know, I would honestly one. just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can um, go so many avenues with it. I mean, really, honestly, like I, I would like the first thing that comes to my mind is like, you know, just being able to I really have to say like the, the gift when someone the gift of someone loving you is is pretty, a pretty amazing thing. You know what I mean? And I, I probably have to say that, like, uh, the gift of my my girlfriend and my partner and like the love that that, that we have together is probably the greatest gift that I you know what I mean? physical possessions and stuff like can always be replaced, you know, but those are the things that you're like, okay, if this all right. of a sudden went away, I'd be really sad. So I would probably have to say, you know, like right. yeah, definitely. somebody giving so much of themselves to you is, is a really, is a really powerful thing. So I love you, babe. If you're listening, <laughs> 100%. That's a great answer. There you go. There you go. He's going to have a hot meal waiting on him. You say he is not sleeping on the couch. Tonight. 100%. If you could open for any artist of all time, Dude, I would have be to say my... MXPX. They're, they're just one of my favorite bands. Like, okay. You know, yeah. I know that there's like the Foo Fighters and, you know, the Beatles and the Ramones and all that. Those are all bands that, of course, I would love to play with. But like sure. MXPX is like a band that is just so that like means a lot to me. You know what I mean? Um, and, and a lot. And the other guys in my band, too. That's like sure. one band that we all were like, 
that we all really listened to a lot whenever we were like younger, you know what I mean? So that's like a really big thing for us. So, and I, you know, I, honestly, yeah. I don't feel like, um, our, we're, we're kind of, um, I don't feel like that. I feel like that's a fairly attainable goal too, even though MXPX isn't playing that much right now. Um, like they're not touring as much as they used to, but you know, we're, we're on, um, yeah. we're on a, a record label now that they put a album out on. They're planning their, uh, our, the label owner was planning this really big show in Philadelphia later this year. I can't say any much more about it yet, but like, um, he told me that he was trying to get MXPX on the show. And I was like, I, like, I literally about shit my pants when he said that. I was like, dude, if you, I was like, if you get MXPX, he's like, yeah, I know. He's like, no, it's not going to happen. I I reached out already and they they said they're not going to do it. They're not going to be able to do it. He's like, but, you know, it was definitely in the cards, and I was like, ah. So yeah, we're not far. We're we're it's it's in a, you know it's not too far out of reach. Damn. Yeah. So yeah, they're playing some festivals and stuff like that, but they they haven't done like you know a lot of like you know weekenders or anything lately. So, but maybe next, I'm, I'm sure they will next year because their new album is coming out. They just released it yeah. today. That it's it's coming out on August 25th. So uh, I'm sure next year they'll be playing a lot of shows to like in support of okay. the album so if they come through st louis i'm i'm i'll be waiting for that call <laughs> sure get on it bro uh last question for you a dream lineup of a show four bands pick them can be from any time period uh this is wes hoffman's dream lineup for a show four bands i, I have to say the ramones just because they're like one of the godfathers of punk you know it, it would have to be one of the like ramones of the clash like one of the big ones and then I would probably say, I mean, the Foo Fighters as well, probably just because they're so big and they are the like, to me, they're like the quintessential alternative rock band. You know, Dave Grohl, Dave Grohl is just like an amazing yeah, songwriter. Oh, and he's yeah. been influencing music oh, for so long, man. And people so don't even realize long, that. For so long. <laughs> but anyway. Um, and, and influencing it on such a <laughs> yeah. grand scale, you know? And then I'd probably put right. Blink-182. And um, I mean, just because that would be so fun. Okay. And Green Day. I, I don't know. These are always hard for me. Like, I'm like, there's so many. Like, like the, those are like the obvious yeah. answers because those are like huge huge punk rock bands that you know and the show would be amazing but like for me i you know right, i'd right, probably right. want to have mxpx and like you know i think a really really good show if i if i'm if you know i'm i, I just answer that by like all the big bands but like a really really good show for me i think would be like if it was like sure. four or five bands that i would want to be my band opens up mxpx plays face to face plays and then maybe like the Menzingers and something like that. You know what I mean? Like, and Bayside, those would be, if, 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 uh, yeah, if I was on a show dope. like that, yeah, I would oh, be yeah, like, those yeah, are all yeah. bands that I love. I, I know every album, you know what I mean? Like those are, I would yeah. be singing every word. Like that would be awesome. Wanted to give you a chance to tell people where to follow you at, where people can catch your work at. I know we hit yeah, on some of that yeah. in the conversation, so, but just um, kind of rounding out. Any of the music summarize. stuff, if you just look up Wes Hoffman, I, I tried to change it to Wes Hoffman and Friends on streaming platforms but i couldn't if you just look up west hoffman that's where all my stuff is and then um on instagram is where i do the most stuff so uh it's at wesley hoffman on instagram and then the podcast is for what it's worth with west hoffman and that has its own instagram too it's f-w-i-w-w-e-s um 
So yeah, and then if you want any merch or anything like that, or you want to support us, it's uh, weshoffman.bandcamp.com. For what it's worth, I love you now, I think about for sticking around after the break we have to thank our special guest this week and for all of his time and that's wes hoffman what a fantastic guest what a source of knowledge lots of good nuggets of information was shared if you're aspiring band in the st louis area or any area really a lot of tidbits of information and things to consider if you want to get your band off the ground you want to be regionally recognized you want to be internationally recognized whatever the case is i think wes had a lot of good information for our guests absolutely uh, i think like you said it is open book of resources and tools you know lots of knowledge been in the game for a while so it was good to you know kind of like you said he's been doing all this for a fair amount of time so it's nice to pick his brain and like a lot of knowledge man yeah very great guy very positive guy Right. Love that. Love that positivity because I'm not. Like, I'm the very opposite. I'm a very negative person. So it's refreshing to see people out there that, you know, that see life in that light majority of the time. You need that to balance you out. Like, I'm kind of that person that I'm constantly, like, naturally negative, but I try not to be outwardly. Right. I do too. Right. I subscribe to the theory that, like, you know, negativity is kind of like a black hole and it can kind of suck you in, you know, especially if you get around like-minded people and stuff like <laughs> right. me and Josh can sit, ar- sit around and shit on things constantly or Ridge, you know, people have done the podcast with us, Brandon. Right. And we do, don't get me wrong, you need that sometimes. Right, yeah. You know, there's a catharsis yeah. to that too. Um, but to have positive people around you kind of just uplifts you. And uh, I do, I will say, even though I would kind of maybe consider myself a negative person, I do try to find the silver lining in anything because again, you know, if I get slipped into that black hole of negativity, it's like hard for me to come out of it. Like I go into funks like days or whatever. And it's just like, well, when I can't contextualize like what's wrong with you, but I know a lot of that goes into anxiety and depression and stuff too, that I struggle with. And we all do. Right. Yeah. But yeah, what an awesome dude. Might be able to hire him as life coach out yeah. there. Yeah, well, I mean, right. he said his mom was a therapist, and I mean, some of that stuff I was really, like, cutting into. I was like, I'm going to get this guy's phone number. I'm going to hit him up after the pod, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But no, great guy, like you said. Uh, yeah, had a great conversation. Lots of good information. And, uh, of course, we've had Wes's music in the breaks, the ins and the outs of the podcast today, so you've gotten a little bit of teaser or taste. Stick around to the end of the show. We're going to be playing a full-length single from Wes. And uh, hopefully we'll get you guys to enjoy his music. And in the episode details, again, you'll be able to jump to his band camp, purchase merch, uh, find about upcoming shows, follow him on social media. We'll have all those tags in yeah, the episode you know details. Us. We'll post the crap out of it. So. 100%. <laughs> all right. So next episode, Brandon Stewart of Ed Oz End is going to be taking over our podcast feed on Twitch. And he's going to be broadcasting on 713 with special guest Colsifer. Colsifer is on IG. We've already tagged him in our event calendars coming up. Uh, at Colsifer underscore XXVIII. So that's Roman numerals for 28. 
And so you can find Colsifer on Instagram, see some of his work. I know Colsifer outside of just kind of doing some of the miniature paintings and things that he does he in the D&D world. And I may do some like Warhammer type stuff, you know. I'm not like into the role playing personally, but I'm aware right, right, of it, right. of course, because of Brandon and some of the things he's smartened us up on. But uh, Colsifer also, I believe, does a lot like for mental health awareness. So he does like donations to people if they will discuss their mental health problems, you know, like willingly, obviously. And uh, some of the things that they're struggling with and what they're doing to kind of overcome some of those. So a lot of cool stuff going on, I believe, uh, from my understanding. Uh, Colsifer's from the Ohio area. And then again, that stream is going to be on July 13th. You're going to catch it on the ATI podcast feed on Twitch live. And then uh, in the following days, we'll drop it audio on our podcast feed. And so then after that, Josh and I are going to be back at it. And we've actually got an on-site schedule with Arcaden Cinema. We've talked about Arcaden Cinema here before on the show. And they are the independent theater and kind of in South City up in St. Louis. And they've done a lot of cool things. Uh, the short film showcase I kind of detailed on here uh, with St. Louis filmmakers. And that was a very rewarding experience. Got to meet a lot of cool people at that. And looking forward to talking to those folks, promoting their business. Uh, it's a couple that basically run everything, do everything themselves. And uh, getting to know them and, and kind of talking about some of their plans. I think kind of their programming ideas and things are very fun and neat. They do outdoor screenings uh, in pools. Bring your own pool. Yeah, that's, done that. that's genius. Yeah. Yep. They do private events, uh, which is very alluring, too. I kind of had some conversations, and they're very timely with communication. I was kind of spitballing some ideas for some private events and uh, very easy people to work with. So we can't talk enough good things about them already. Um, but I'm really looking forward to sitting down with them. I've already met them personally, but looking forward to talking about, you know, how they got started, why they started, you know, all those things, the things that we get into with all of our guests. So it's going to be a good time, Josh. Yeah. And it's mom and pop too. Yep. Mom and pop. I love it. And if you're not familiar with Arcade and Cinema, right next door to the Heavy Anchor. So you might be familiar with that venue in St. Louis as well. They're literally side by side to one another. They kind of share a, a back lot hangout space but uh yeah and so stay tuned we got a lot of cool things in the works um you know some of that is already out there on social media we've got things booked all the way up until november josh and we're already working on november dates and a lot of cool big bands coming on the horizon you're talking santa claus time yep absolutely (laughs) follow us ati podcast we're everywhere instagram twitter facebook twitch we're trying to stay up on the twitch or excuse me uh tiktok We are on Twitch as well. Can't miss us anywhere on social media. And then we actually just started a thread account, which is the competitor to Twitter that Facebook has launched, right? Yeah. Not only are they going to fight in the octagon, they're going (laughs) to launch competing social media sites again. Right. And now Musk wants to sue Zuckerberg because of having a twitter-like application get the fuck out of here yeah he's already talking about trying to sue him you mean the bully that bought twitter because he didn't get it to go or didn't get things to go his way you talking about that guy follow us ati podcast right or you can find the actual podcast itself on anywhere you listen to podcasts apple music spotify all the above youtube you guys can catch our twitch stream drops there unfortunately youtube more times than not is not the full episode so if you want to see you know the the video interview of our guest in the guest spotlight segment more than welcome to catch us there but realize there's some Easter eggs and things on the audio drops that you don't always get. And we're going to be re- featuring Wes's single today, What's Left of Me in Full. 
for you guys to hear, and I think that's going to be a special one for us to play just because some of the backstory that we got in our conversation with Wes yeah. today and It'll tie what in. that song is about. Yeah, that'll and, be good. And uh, I think that, that will kind of round things out for us today. So I'm Barrett, Barry Insane on Instagram and Twitter, and he is Joshua, underscore Josh, Joshua, Joshua Welch. Welch, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> underscore Joshua Welch on Instagram. Yes, sir. And uh, we are out of time. So until next time, good night and good luck.
Hey, this is Josh from ATI Podcast. For show updates and news about the podcast, follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ATI Podcast 22, on Twitter at podcast underscore ATI, on Instagram at the ATI Podcast, on TikTok at ATI Podcast. DMs are always welcome. Have a question for the show? You can always email us at ATI Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Stay safe out there. This is Barrett from the ATI Podcast. Each week, Josh and I discuss current events, pop culture, music, TV, movies, politics, sports. Nothing is out of bounds. You can also tune in to learn about rising artists, small businesses, whether it's music, graphic design, filmmaking, or even a brick-and-mortar mom-and-pop shop. We'll be spotlighting folks and their endeavors. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Anchor, or anywhere you enjoy your podcast. Just search ATI Podcast. We would like to thank you for your continued support. And as always, please stay safe out there.